If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Good, good, good morning, good morning this morning. Happy Thursday, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, right? Good morning, good morning. Good morning to you, my friend. No, it's all about good morning to you. <laughs> I think it's more about you. I forgot to take my vitamins here. Hold on. Everyone said, is Jamie late? I said never. Gotta be perfect. Arranged perfectly. Good morning. Oh, happiness abounds. Starting the process of getting the pool open, which is great. Boy, pools don't look really great when they are first opened, when you first take the cover off of them and everything else, but uh, oh, yeah. You shock that baby, get it all going on, and by the weekend, yeah, it's going to be beautiful. And I'm not going to be here to enjoy it. But, well, I've got relatives. They can, yeah. they can swim in it if they want to. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to be headed to uh, Washington, D.C. for my niece's wedding. So that means on Monday for Memorial Day, it's actually going to be the first time in my career that I haven't done a live Memorial Day show. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Although I'm going to be Facebook living from Washington, D.C. And so we'll go ahead. I'll, I'll plan on that for you guys for at least a little while on Monday for Memorial Day. And tomorrow we're going to kind of do a best of. So those of you, we've got a lot of new people to Radio Free Almond right now who have just kind of latched on 
and our viewership, listenership on the Facebook page, as you all know. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, by the way, oh, I'll tell you about these new little oh, they noticed. fangled thing. Oh, they did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we've got a, I, I, there's another one over here. There's a couple other ones in here, too. Once we do a multi-camera shoot, that kind of thing, you'll be able to notice a little bit of that. But we've got that going on. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, eventually. Well, no, man. It's, it's, we'll do it later on. We'll, we'll kind of tell everybody. I, I took a little selfie of the <laughs> of the rest of it. So anyway, well, it's a little bit uh, intimidating having pictures of yourself around. But <laughs> it is the Radio Free Almond Studio, after all. So we've got that going on, and so yeah. So so tomorrow, a lot of you have just kind of uh, hit the Radio Free Allman app and are now kind of fully in uh, might have maybe missed a couple of things we did in the beginning of the thing. So uh, tomorrow we're just going to kind of do a, a best of, but but it'll be the best of, so you'll enjoy it. So uh, to me, there's no best of. It's always great. So. People were re-watching because they heard the audio stream of the song with Henry Davis. Yeah. And so people were going back and watching the video. They were like, after hearing oh, yeah. the audio, they felt almost compelled to watch <laughs> the video. Yeah, Ebony and Ivory, yeah. People, I still hear about that. It's, it was great. And and the video is good. <laughs> so we'll put that back up there, too. You guys can listen to that tomorrow as well and, and check it out. So lots going on today. Uh, yesterday at the impeachment hearing, we had... This guy Scott Fawn, who is am I hearing the uh, open to the show still under my in my ears? Are is there you? something going? On? Yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing the uh, there it is. Yeah, I was hearing the the uh, the actual uh, don't fence me in song. So yeah, Scott Fawn. I can't for do you guys know who this guy is? By the way, this publisher of the Missouri Times, and it's a it's so typical of state of Missouri politics. And I don't mean to be overly denigrating or I'm not trying to act like an elitist here, but the amount of hillbilly-ness in Jefferson City is almost beyond the realm of comprehension. I mean, you got some serious hayseed activity down there. I am not kidding you. And that's not to condemn rural people, whatever, but you've got some bohunk du jour down there in Jefferson City. I'm talking about these poplar bluff dudes, these... I'm just telling you, they run the joint, okay? They're the... the, Oh, basically. Well, it's well. Imagine why, when you, for instance, have the Missouri lottery and all goes to education, why most of the money is going to rural schools and not, for instance, your school. Wherever you're listening from, the chances that your school is getting a dime for the Missouri lottery is probably zero, because you're considered too wealthy. These guys run the show down there. Some of them are not very intelligent, and some of them are basically convicted felons as well, like Scott Fawn. Now, Scott Fawn is the publisher of the Missouri Times. Keep in mind, he has many of these lawmakers eating from the palm of his hand because they're not very intelligent either, and they're also desperate. 
And they are people who depend on Scott Fawn and the Missouri Times to display them in on his show, which is a This Week in Missouri or whatever okay. the hell it is on Channel 30. In fact, he used my set from, from the Almond Report. And so when you see – so what he does, he stacks a bunch of these lawmakers up there. Then he has, like, for instance, a gala every year where he presents awards to the politicians down there. And again, some of these lawmakers, they're not the brightest bulbs in the shed. I, I, I'm, I, I kid you not. I've been there – for a long time down there in Jefferson City, these are not bright people running the show down there. So he has all, this is a guy who was one time the mayor of Poplar Bluff, doesn't pay his taxes, has been, has been run after for failing to pay his taxes, has been convicted of forging checks, and has, I think, at least one DWI, and all you have to do is Scott Fawn mugshot, and you've got four different mugshots of the guy. This is the guy who is one of the power players in Jefferson City, Scott Fawn. This is the guy who claims that this money that was given to Al Watkins at the law office was, a, was all of his. And I guarantee you, this guy doesn't have a pot to piss in much less $120,000 or $100,000. There's not a chance this guy has money. Well, if he's a power player, why wouldn't he? Uh, well, maybe he's, somebody gave it to him, whatever. He hasn't certainly earned it. Let's okay. put it that way. Okay. Hey, th- this is not Scott Fawn, <laughs> I earned $100,000. I, <laughs> I have money in the bank. Unless, of course, they're paying him to be on his show okay. or whatever. And that's not beyond the realm of comprehension. The way that show is operated, it's sponsored by Sterling Bank, which is a bank that has benefited greatly from tax credits. And the reason why Scott Fawn and his gang down there don't like Eric Greitens, and it's because Eric Greitens came down there to, uh, and said he was going to drain the swamp, and they are the swamp. These guys are swamp creatures to the T. And so Fawn doesn't want everybody who's been appearing on his show calling for the resignation of Eric Reitens. These guys all have an axe to grind with the governor because he's threatening them and their little fiefdoms down there. And there are multiple fiefdoms, that kind of thing down there. These are and, all conservatives, right? Or, uh, some of them. Okay. Well, they, they, well they, they claim they're conservatives. Sure. But, but, yeah, they, they, would, they would tell you that they're conservatives, okay. but they're really just Republicans. Uh, these are the guys who, you know, when they're not groping interns, they're holding news conferences calling for the resignation of Eric Reitens. So this, it's, it's, a, it's a cesspool down there in Jefferson City. I'm telling you, it's – I told you the, the other day about this place. The picture you paint is, oh, is, is rough. Just, I'm not going to lie. I mean, honestly, I ta- talked about how Al Watkins, if he ever appeared on there, these guys would have to take a shower. Al Watkins, for most of these guys, actually is an improvement – Upon their presence, I'm just telling you, and I'm I'm not I don't have they've never Dude. done really I mean I don't have any bitterness whatever okay. but 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 Fawn though has a definite axe to grind and so do all the people who so he has these yearly or uh, award ceremonies and so all of his little pigeons from the uh, from from the uh, 
NFL. from the legislature come in and they get their little awards from the Missouri Times. And the Missouri Times is supposed to be like this, this uh, prestigious. Well, or, or some kind of journalistic enterprise. Okay. When actually it's just a propaganda sheet for whoever they happen to have in favor or whatever pigeon they seem to be promoting in the, you know, Kathy Conway or Rob Schaff or so, whoever they happen to be promoting at the time. And it, it does appear, supposedly have like a conservative bent to it, whatever, and Scott Fawn's supposedly a Republican and he's a Trump supporter and all this kind of thing. But the guy is dirty as the day is long. And it's no wonder he winds up being involved. You know, you know that he's been, for instance, he, he's on KMOX and he's on Mark Reardon's show there. And he's on the panel or whatever the round table is or whatever that okay. thing is. And he's on the pa- And for the past year, he's been talking about how terrible it is that we have such an amoral governor. You know, this is this is a guy who's a convicted felon, okay, telling us what's how right. amoral yeah. Governor Greitens is. And it's really not about and as I've told you before, it's not about morals at all. It's about the fact that all the people who grease his palm are being pinched by Governor Greitens' policies. And so Sterling Bank, which funds the, his show essentially, is being pinched by the change in the tax credit system, and he's looking out for the people who basically pay his rent. So now, that's, that's what this is all about. Now, Sterling Bank, because you've mentioned them a few times, they've undergone recently, I mean, within the last few years changeover. and stuff, changeover. Has this been a forever thing, or is this a new thing? Is this the new management company or the new company that essentially owns Sterling Bank? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether they've been doing this forever or not. I don't know what their deal is. Is it a liberal organization or is it a conservative organization? Or is it just a, I don't we know just that need either. tax credits? All I know is they use tax credits and they love it and they make a lot of money off of it. And, okay. that's, and that's been the problem with the tax credit system. So, so it's no wonder Scott Fawn winds up tied in with Al Watkins, tied in with this cabal sure. down there that involves Stacey Newman and the rest of the group down there and this hairdresser and the disc jockey. And the, it, it just like is a soap opera. Uh, it, well, yeah, I think soap operas are a little <laughs> more, uh, have a little more integrity than this group does, but still nonetheless, these guys are part of a group down there and their, and their goal is to take down governor Greitens. So Fawn goes down into this uh, sham impeachment hearing where you have a you have a situation where where first of all governor greitens is not allowed to cross examine his team is not allowed to cross examine witnesses which is unbelievable this little kangaroo court down there is despicable and this impeachment hearing is a sham and yes nick shore pointed out yesterday that yeah there are there are some states that have these things where people are not doing cross examinations. I get I get that, but the fact of the matter is, as all of you know, ask in your gut whether or not you think that it's right that a person who is accused and a person who is a governor who might lose his job because of an impeachment process would not have the right as his attorneys to cross-examine witnesses who come before the committee 
in order to separate the governor from his job that he was duly elected to. So all of you know in your gut that that's a problem when he's not allowed, his team is not allowed to cross-examine witnesses. You, you all know the problem with that just in your gut. If you were the ones being accused in any court whatsoever and you were not allowed to cross-examine witnesses who stepped forward to end your career or your whatever you're doing, yeah. your livelihood, you sh- would say we should be allowed to cross-examine these witnesses. So it, it's completely a violation of the face your accuser tenant. And it's but only the Republicans in the Missouri legislature could possibly pull something like this off and get away with it as if it's just yeah. and and also by the way, Josh Hawley has ruled that here is a group of individuals down in Jefferson City who have made it their point to try to impeach the governor. This is a state-enacted activity. And yet the governor has to spend his own money on attorneys to defend himself. Does Nick vote on this stuff? They don't, they don't vote. Well, he, eventually he will vote on impeachment. Who decided this? They'll, they'll bring up, well, the, the, the Republicans, the Republican leadership decided they were going to formulate a committee that was going to do this. This, okay. is all, this is all Republican-led, by the way. So, and these people who are all sparring with each other, Scott Fawn is basically a Republican. The Missouri Times is kind of a Republican propaganda sheet, but it's only a propaganda sheet for establishment Republicans, you know, the kind sure. that, that there's really very little difference between them and Democrats. They're kind of like that. But that, that, that's but Nick. Nick eventually is going to be voting on if, if there is an article of impeachment, so to speak, that comes forward. He will be voting on that. But for okay. now, this is just this committee. So Scott Fawn, all you have to do and you all who are avid consumers of news and of local politics, you guys probably know about Scott Fawn. But the very idea that this guy could have this kind of power in the state of Missouri ought to give you pause. And the fact that very few people even knew about it before his name was mentioned. Before his name was mentioned, when it came to this money trail that was the $100,000, before his name was mentioned, the Post-Dispatch didn't even bother covering who this guy was. I mean, I was on Twitter a long time ago talking about this when Scott Fawn was going after Governor Greitens. I exposed the whole thing about Scott Fawn. But very few people before that knew anything about his dealings, his conviction, his past, his lack of paying taxes, all that kind of stuff. Very few people knew about that. He's but, a young but, guy. But, he, but, he, but, he's a t- but he's your typical example of the Missouri politician, that poplar bluff, hillbilly I could see that. thing. I see it. And that, that's just what – I'm sorry, but that's just what it is. Uh, and, and so he runs the Missouri Times, and, and he basically has a lot of influence over lawmakers who need his approval and need to get on the Missouri Times show. Because these folks are all so incestuous, you know? They're all kind of like <laughs> – they're all kind of, you know – I get it. They're, they're all yeah. – you go down there, and everybody is involved. I mean, it's why you saw all the scandalous activity down there, because they're all cloistered in this group 
and they all are kind of behaving as a group and cover for each other and everything else. That's how this works. Why are they vowing to need the approval of the Missouri Times? Who the hell reads the Missouri Times? Because in order for you to be able to have power down there, if you're if you're on the Missouri Times show or in the paper, that it's it's almost like high school. It's like like if you're in the high school newspaper, you're right. like you're like the high school celebrity, you know. That's they've got ridiculous. they've got the jocks down there, and they've got the stoners. I mean, it's and it's and and many of these individuals are of stunted maturity, and they get down there, and they're suddenly lawmakers, and they get to wear their pin on their lapel, and it's off to the races for a lot of them. So I'm just telling you, I know a lot of really good people down there in Jefferson City. And not, Nick Schwartz is a perfect example sure. of that, but he's a younger guy who's kind of come in, and some of these older folks down there who've been around the block for a little while, for instance, uh, they, they, some of them were senators, and then they, they become representatives. Stacey Newman's a great example of that, who's just kind of been down there too long, and, and, and they made a big deal about her retiring. and It's like, it, it just is way too much. So... Yeah, that's what you get down there. And you have little, little pockets, little, little contingents wow. of people down there. and Yeah. It's the exact reason why people are disgusted with politics. Yeah. That scene that you described there is exactly why they think the political system in this country is just jacked. Absolutely. When you have a guy as cor- – why don't you try being a convicted felon and a yeah. – can't even get a job. Why don't you? If you even had one mug shot, <laughs> how far would you go in regular society? This guy's got four at the at least that you can track. Four mug shots on file with some authority someplace. You could hardly get a job at the UPS store. Oh, you, no, you could. You couldn't. You this couldn't get. You couldn't. You couldn't be. You couldn't be a a bagger. And no offense to baggers, because I was one at Schnucks. Yeah. But you could be this you can, you guy. Can, you can you can be publisher of the Missouri Times. It's like and uh, be on the radio <laughs> on a roundtable on KMOX and do your little circle jerk with all the rest of the Jefferson City analysts down there. I mean, that's pretty amazing. No, it's it's stunning. It's, and you can be in a position to bring down the governor as well. It's it, pretty amazing. Like, I mean, I mean, if you compare Governor Greitens to Scott Fawn, <laughs> I mean, if you if you compare the resume of Governor Eric Greitens to the resume of Scott Fawn, you'd be appalled that Scott Fawn was ever in any kind of power position to affect the life of Eric Greitens. I mean, he couldn't. I mean, I, I know it's col- the colloquialism about shining his shoes. I wish I could figure out some other, like, clean his toilet or do some other thing that's even more denigrating than that. But it, you, you couldn't even hold a candle between these two guys. It reminds me of, the like, led. the mom and dad sitting there talking to their 22-year-old son who has multiple felony convictions. And like, don't worry, honey, you can still be a politician. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> so, so, anyway, it, you, it, it's, it really is incredible to think that this guy is in this situation down there in Jefferson City. But you have to also understand that, the re- that, that for him to be in this position, he had to be put there. He had to be allowed to be there. And that is a direct reflection 
on the quality and the character of a majority of the legislature down there and the politicians down there and the people who run Jeff City. Because otherwise, there's no way in hell a person like that could be a kingmaker in Jefferson City. It's beyond the realm of comprehension. Now, listen, we all understand redemption. Mm -hmm. We all understand the power of forgiveness. We all understand that people make mistakes. I get that. But if you ask Scott Fawn, he never made any mistakes, and the only person that is worse for you is Governor Eric Greitens. So at that point, you are duly in the crosshairs of people who are going to analyze your activity in your life. Otherwise, I'm not going to sit there and haunt some guy who had the DWI or had this or had that happen, but since he's making himself the kingmaker and the and and the and the the big guy in the beanfield, then I'm going to go after you. I mean, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not even going after you. I'm just going to. I'm not even going after him. I'm just laying out the facts about the guy's life. So I'm not, I'm not even attacking the guy. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just reading his CaseNet file. <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable, this dude. I mean, and, 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 but, but again, in order for him to be in a position of power that he's in, in Jefferson City, with the Missouri Times, publisher of a newspaper, supported by a major institution like Sterling Bank, and propped up, and where lawmakers kiss his ass like every day, you have to put a guy like that there. And that's a reflection on you more than it is even on him. The fact that he's able to reach that level. Just saying. Apparently I need to uh, start a newspaper. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then give and then have a banquet every every year that's paid for by... Uh, basically, you, you, you're not doing anything. You're not paying for it at all. You have sponsors who come in, and then they just provide whatever it is you're providing. And then he's got probably some trophy shop in Poplar Bluff that makes the <laughs> trophies that he hands out to his pigeons in the legislature. I'm, 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 and, and there are many Republicans who are totally tied in with this guy who you know. Wow. Who are more than happy to go on his show and... Treat him like he's the, the the sage of Jefferson City. I'm not kidding you. It's fun. It's really you, you couldn't write a script like this. That's politics. Again, don't know how to say it more directly. Um, this was my money that I worked on a project on. There's no way this was his money. There's not a chance that, that this guy that that Scott Fawn had a hundred grand. He doesn't even have five sitting around. Is it legal to have given the money the way he gave it? We don't know. Because we he's don't know. He's claiming it says he's writing a book. I'm writing the book on. It's like, what are you writing a book on, dude? What are you getting an advance from somebody or whatever? But there's not a chance it's just his money. Anybody who knows Scott Fawn knows this guy wears the same shirt every day. Come on. <laughs> and I'm not going to discuss the inner workings of my private business. Mr. Fawn, was it an out-of-state Republican donor? I, again, don't quite know how to say it more directly. Was it an in-state Republican? You're an in-state Republican. I, I, well, I will say this. 
Uh, I yeah, 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 yeah. It's like watching an episode of Hee Haw down there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, all these guys down there laughing. Oh, that's funny. I mean, honestly, this is unbelievable. Was it an in-state Republican? I have written, someone other than the name I have Scott written checks Vaughan. to Republicans and Democrats owning a company. So I guess the answer to your question, I've always been a Republican, would be yes. Mr. Fawn, what did you obtain with that money? Half these guys will be on his show within like a matter of a couple of weeks. So this is wild. I'm not even just saying this is wild. Put you on my show on Channel Third, Missouri Times. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, what, what was the purpose of that payment? What I got was a set of tapes. Okay, and I want to be clear for the record: you eventually provide sent that tape to me. Is that correct? Sounds right. Okay. I mean, sounds right. It, it's interesting how Scott Fawn will demand no less than direct answers and accountability from Governor Eric Greitens, a person who, who he couldn't, couldn't clean the governor's underwear. And yet he's sitting there in front of a committee going, sounds right to me. And, and these guys aren't calling BS on the guy. I'm not kidding you, man. This is unbelievable. You didn't think it was important to tell me that you had paid cash for it? No, I, and I also want to make it clear, I didn't send it for you to publish or anything like that. I understand. I understand. So interestingly enough, the guys on the committee are friends of his. You can tell. Didn't you give me the... Like, these guys are like, this is... I'm, I'm like watching this... Weird. I, I, I might as well be in some tribunal in Kenya. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is how third world this all sounds, man. It's your testimony today that you have one hundred twenty thousand dollars cash just sitting around your house. You didn't testify. No, I never said. That. How'd you get the cash? And again, we, I'm going to advise him not to answer. To answer your question, no, I don't have that today. Uh, right now, sitting at my house. That's the. the was that the question? Yeah. How'd you, I, I want to know how a person comes up with $120,000 cash for a payment who, I, the last time I checked, Mr. Fawn, I, I don't think you're in the poorhouse, but I also don't think that <laughs> He knows. He, he knows Scott Fawn doesn't have a pot to piss in. That's what that guy knows. And then it strains credibility, the idea that Fawn has $100,000 someplace. And maybe I'm wrong about that. And even for multi-multi-millionaires, I don't know that they have $120,000 cash no. lying around. Why did you choose to pay in cash? It's perfectly lawful, Mr. Chairman, to conduct business in America in the lawful tender of America, which is cash money. There's nothing wrong with anybody having $120,000 in cash. The design to uh, evade the original source, Mr. Fawn? That, so what's Mr. the Fawn, question, Mr. Not Mr. Hatfield. What's the question, Was Mr. paying Chairman? in cash designed to oh. avoid... Disclosure of the original source. No. So this is the kind. You are sick and tired of being this sick is, and tired. This is, this, is, this is the kind of stuff you get in Jefferson City where they go round and round and round. Was there anything illegal about what Scott Fawn did? I don't know. That would be for someone else to determine. Was 
there anything nefarious about what Scott Fawn did? Of course there was. Does Scott Fawn owe? It's interesting how Scott Fawn, when he has his Missouri Times show, or when he's running his fat mouth on Mark Reardon's show on KMOX, or when he's writing his editorials or on Twitter, he demands full transparency. Remember, he's the one. Scott Fawn and the rest of these guys, they are the ones who have been bitching and moaning about, guess what, dark money, mm-hmm. right? How often have you heard Tony Messenger right. over there with yep. the Post-Dispatch has been blathering on about it? It took, I, I guarantee it was so painful of these guys for these guys to have to write an article about who Scott Fawn is, even though they've known who Scott Fawn is for a long, long time. But Scott Fawn was a useful idiot for them because he was helping them bring down Governor Greitens. So why would they have to disclose Scott Fawn's past and how the guy is untrustworthy, a convicted felon, and is not a person who ought to be carrying the mantle of credibility? And yet Fawn, the Missouri Times, all of his pigeons in the legislature who he's handing out awards to at his yearly banquets are all the first ones to step up to the plate and talk about how important it is to expose Governor Greitens and his use of so-called dark money. And then he sits in front of a committee of lawmakers and won't disclose the source of money he used to pay a lawyer who wound up supporting someone else who came up with tapes that was going to ultimately going to expose this affair be used in a court case eventually to bring a sitting governor up on felony charges that later on are dismissed and now are in the hands of another Democrat cabal there in Jackson County. And these are the same people who want total transparency, who have basically insinuated on the pages of their newspapers, in their reports on TV and their commentary on radio and everything else about how Governor Greitens needs to be transparent and dark money, dark money, dark money, dark money. And he's asked one or two questions about where his money came from, and they won't answer the questions. How is it possible these people still are in business down there in Jefferson City? I mean, just listening to that, and he actually made a good point when he said, even multimillionaires, I know a lot of multimillionaires, they do not have that kind of liquid cash, not to mention... Anything over... When you say he made a good point, you're talking about the lawmaker mm-hmm. who was questioning him. Yeah. Yes, yes. And anything over $10,000, if you take $10,000 in cash, just to be clear, and you try to deposit over $10,000 in cash at a bank, you flag the IRS. In fact, the bank has to, has to legally tell the IRS that over 10, multiple deposits over $10,000 is a red flag for the IRS. So $120,000 cash, this is like... I, look, look you, you know what I had to go through to roll over close to a half a million dollars from a 401k yep. to an IRA? Yep. To a Roth I, ba- IRA. I, basically yeah. ha- I basically had to go through... It, it, it felt like an IRS hearing... And, and I never even touched the money. Yeah, no, they want to know why. I had to put it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, where are you going? Where's it going? Mm-hmm. What'd you do? You got to start dating. You got to answer all these questions just to just to just for a direct rollover where the check isn't even written to me. Right. 
You're never right? even going to see it. Zeros yeah. and ones. And you talked about depositing money. Try taking the money out. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, this know. is why this is, in, this is insanity. And we're not talking 10000 We're talking $120,000. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and so at the very least, there is an IRS investigation that is probably called for here. No doubt about it. And, and again, you know, Chuck Hadfield, who's his attorney, who I think used to be, boy, Chuck Hadfield, is, not, is my understanding, can you Google him or Bing What's him or Chuck? whatever? Chuck Hadfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D. I, it's my understanding Sorry. he might have been in the attorney general's office at one point. That's how, that, yeah, that's how incestuous he has a He even has a Twitter account. Yeah. But anyway, the, the fact of the matter is, at the very least, somebody has to account for this. And you'd think, even if you weren't legally accountable, meaning he's right. People have the right to have exchanges of things and do things without molestation from the federal government and without having to answer everybody's questions, this kind of thing. But the reality is you'd think that if they were running around and running their mouth to this degree, talking about transparency, talking about how the governor needs to go because he's been involved in dark money, and they, they don't even like the fact that he was texting without people seeing every text. I mean, they, they want complete transparency on the part of the governor, governor. But when they're asked a direct question, they beg off and say, I don't have to answer that question. Chuck Hatfield, according to his LinkedIn profile, he, he's now currently at Stinson Leonard Street LLP, uh, but previous was a Missouri Attorney General yeah, for Jay Nixon. Yeah, okay. So, so, so he's got these guys from the AG's office working for him. So, again, even if you're not <laughs> legally bound to answer every question on the books, you'd think if your whole rap has been Governor Greitens is secretive, Governor Greitens is dealing with dark money. Governor Greitens is this. Governor Greitens is that. That you would, at the very least, want to be able to tell people who are reading you, watching you, listening to you, that you, too, are transparent. But instead, we got this guy, a convicted felon, publisher of the Missouri Times, one of the lead agitators in trying to bring down Governor Greitens for his secrecy and dark money. Because I guarantee you, when you ask Scott Fawn and the rest of all of his little ghoul group down there about what their real motive is, they'll tell you it's not about tax breaks. They'll tell you it's about dark money and ethics in politics and how unethical Governor Greitens is. I'm telling you, even go back and research it yourself, do whatever you want to do, and look what happens when Scott Fawn or anybody else is asked directly about why they're pursuing Governor Greitens. They'll always tell you it's not about the affair, it's not about whatever happened in a basement. It's not about a photo. Right. It's about ethics in government and how we need to have a strong moral, ethical core in government. These are the same people, by the way, and I guarantee you, run down the people who support Scott Fawn and who go to him on his Missouri Times show and who are tied into him. And Rob Schaff would be a great example of that. Research Rob Schaff and research Rob Schaff, Senator Rob Schaff, and clean Missouri. Uh, we talked about that yesterday. Yes. And Rob Schaff and, and Scott Fawn are Tweedledum and Tweedledumber. These guys are like two peas in a pod. 
and Fawn and Schaff are like best buddies down there in Jeff City. Go and see what Rob Schaff's rap is on Clean Missouri. Wants stronger ethics, lobbyists this, money, wants transparency, wants people to be... Where's Rob Schaff when Scott Fawn is uh, diving under the table when he's asked questions from a committee? I don't think Radio Free Almond's going to be featured in Missouri Times any time soon. I, it was bad enough that he used my set. Same set. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, same set. But, but still, again, these folks are hypocrites, and they need to be exposed. This was an embarrassing moment in Missouri politics. and should be for all the people, especially local politicians. If you actually uh, talk to some of these politicians who are – who, in my opinion, are streetwalking for Scott Fawn on a regular basis, uh, you want to hold them to account. Many of them are, are, some of them are local Republicans who you know, and you need to f- figure this out. Next time election time rolls around, figure out how tied your local politician is to Scott Fawn and, 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 and that whole organization down there. But again... The takeaway from this is how crazy it is that a guy who has been carrying the mantle of, of the need for transparency, who is wanting to bring down the governor, now won't answer simple questions about his activities. It's pretty. What else do you need to know about what's going on down there in Jefferson City? Well painted. It's just a sad, sad picture. Took a little longer to get there, but because we have to get, ladies and gentlemen, to our... National anthem, everybody. Can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming? Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight over rabbits we watched were so gallantly streaming.
Lips like sugar Lips like sugar Just when you think you've caught her She glides across the water She calls for you tonight To share this moonlight Everybody, happy Thursday. Should be a beautiful weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Don't forget, too, we are solidifying the details of the big Doug Giles book shining, which is coming up on the 8th of June at the Missouri Athletic Club West. I got a time set now for about 5.30 to 8 for that. Three books available, Pussification, Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls and 
also Rules for Radical Christians. All those books are being delivered to me, and I will have them available to you. Purchase, sign, boom, Doug Giles, boom. Then the next day, we've got our big, uh, yeah, we've got the Warrior and the Wild Man, Radio Free Almond, Throwdown Palooza going on at a location that we're going to seal up this morning. And we'll be able to reveal to you on Facebook and beyond and let you know everything that's going on about that weekend. That'll be, we know the time will be from 12 to 6. And we also know that, obviously, you don't have to be there all day. No. Uh, you just pop in. People have a lot of graduations going on, a lot of things happening. Uh, but Doug's going to be there. I'll be there. Ryan will be there. Everybody will be there. And uh, we'll, it'll be almost like our happy hour, except um, 20 times bigger. So just make sure you're... You're there and ready to rock. So we'll give you more information about that uh, down the line. I'll just put a quick little bow on what we just talked about regarding uh, what's going on there in Jefferson City. One of the real problems with all of this is the fact that we don't have we're, – we're for instance, we're a one-newspaper town, for instance. So, so – and, and it's the death of truth – when you have, first of all, television stations who really don't care about this kind of stuff because they're too busy just covering murders and car crashes and jackknife tractor trailers and weather. And so you've got, you've got every news station in town, every single one. I mean, I'm talking about like you have five different news stations in town and you have some of them have multiple newscasts in one day. But, but politics bores them. They don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. So give that up right there. Then you maybe have some people talking about some issues on the radio, that kind of thing. And then you have one newspaper. So you, And when the newspaper, for instance, and its sole goal is to promote a left-wing Democrat agenda, they don't have to care about much except for doing whatever they want to do in terms of their agenda, and they have no competition at all. So there's nobody holding them to account in terms of what they ought to be doing. Competition is a good thing. Competition is good for people, and it's definitely good for truth, and yet we just don't have that. So it's not just about how things are covered. It's about what isn't covered, and so you never knew unless you saw my Twitter page a while back about Scott Fawn's history. Uh, the Post-Dispatch finally was dragged kicking and screaming into it uh, because it was hard for them to expose a guy who they relied on so heavily for the takedown of Eric Greitens. He was a key player in their attempt at takedown of Eric Greitens, so why would they willingly give up information about the character and the past of who they're, and the credibility of who they're dealing with? So they don't have to do that. Now, if you had a morning paper or an afternoon paper, whatever, or the same paper, same time of day right. that had this coverage, uh, they'd be compelled, they'd, they would be held accountable to it. But they're not because we're a one newspaper town. It, it makes a difference. It makes a makes a huge difference. That's a big deal. Yeah. I don't even know how newspapers are even still in business. I know. I, I, Who reads newspapers? Well, already, even when they cover... Like a stabbing, they want you to pay ninety nine cents to read about the stabbing. It's like no thanks, you know. I, I, mean, I yeah. I mean, listen, how much do you pay to listen to Radio Free Almond? <laughs> exactly. And and the Post Dispatch wants you to pay to read 
their bias drivel in there. It's it's unbelievable. But people do, though. I mean, people do. There's a certain group of people in St. Louis who still read the newspaper and are, you know, are addicted to Tony Messenger and these other hayseeds. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Certainly not younger generations. I don't even know when the last time a millennial picked a newspaper up, except to maybe pose for an Instagram picture. Let's see what the latest editorial cartoon is. I mean, I, I love it how the, the, there's a segment, I think there's in some place where they call together all the editorial cartoons. I'm thinking, thank you, 1968. <laughs> Reading Beetle Bailey together. Yeah. So what, what, what's the jumble puzzle today? <laughs> Let's 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 read. Oh, honey, let's read Omar Sharif's bridge tips. It's ridiculous. That's what I say. It's a joke. Other than uh, the only reason why those newspapers even make a profit, I guess, is because the car dealerships still pay a ton of money to put their car ads in there, and they don't even know why they're doing that. It's they're just a, doing that because they've done it for the last fifty years. It's such a uh, the, you won't realize how many advertisers out there and if you run a business i hope you know this how much you are just throwing your money away (laughs) when you advertise on some of these entities where no one is paying attention nope i mean it is but but you do it because it's what you've always done done. or or you hire a marketing firm and they're telling you that's what you have to do because they don't know any better they've been around for half a century and their dad probably ran the joint and that's kind of how things are working sometimes, and so that's I'm in that world. Yeah, that's oh yeah, you exactly are. Of course you how are. That works. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, you'd be surprised at how. I mean, first of all, once we get all the court stuff taken care of, and I actually get some of my old friends back who, who otherwise are have been uh, forbidden, have been restrained from free trade with me. Uh, we have some other new people, but yeah. you, 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 it's, it's hard, actually. You, it's, it's amazing to have to try to convince some individuals about what this is. And they have, they have no idea that we are reaching so many more people and so many more loyal members of an audience than they will ever reach on whatever they're doing now, but they can't get it out of their heads that this is the future, so they so they have, and I, and I understand that. I mean, yes. money is, you know, money. You have to yes. be careful about that. But they they can't get it wrapped around their their heads about what this is all about. Well, yeah, we even you and I were talking to a very prominent business owner the other day, and uh, that everyone in St. Louis would know. And it, it it is interesting because everybody's kind of familiar with the talk radio in the advertising biz they considered regular music stations to be inactive listening, and they call talk radio active listening, like talk radio on terrestrial radio. That's considered active listenership. If that is active listenership, this is like hyperactive listenership. And you can see that. I mean, what listenership can comments just sit here and people are actively, and we're, reading them and we're reacting off of those comments and we're respect that is hyperactive audience and, and listening i mean this is the well and, but the problem with a lot of the guys who might run a business and you got to be careful about this if you do run a business that it's not what you do 
you might not be an yeah. iPhone user or you might not be a person who is savvy in the world of podcasts, but I guarantee you the people buying your stuff are. And so you have to take yourself out of that yes. realm of, you know, I don't know. Because keep in mind, we have a lot of listeners and a lot of people listen to the show who are who are in my generation, right? I mean, Absolutely. It, so, so they're active consumers <laughs> of Android, iPhone. They got kids. They've got things. They've got computers. They, they know about this. So the idea that the fact that you don't is really... You're, you're holding your business back. Exactly. And, and, you're, and you're missing a huge opportunity. Kim says the newspaper is needed as much as the cassette tape. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it, but that's that's where we're at now. So we're, so again, uh, uh, the idea that there's only one newspaper town might not have that much of an impact since people don't read the newspaper. But it still is a situation where there's there's a there's a lockstep here. That there's there's a, there's a flow of information, and regardless of what you you might think and where you get your information from, you still have these dinosaur entities that remain reliable. They're the ones that create the headlines on Google. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that create the headlines on CNN. They're the ones that get the headlines on Drudge still. So that, that's yes. where the resources go. So Drudge isn't going to Radio Free Almond, unfortunately. They're still going to Gateway Pundit, that kind of thing. But, but I'm, I'm t- they still have a lot more power than they deserve, and you have to be able to acknowledge that. And, and, and really quickly to piggyback on that, Facebook is actually making that worse because what Facebook is doing now, and this was the big problem with with social media and and, and why Mark Zuckerberg was having to testify and everything else, was what they consider to be legitimate news sources and not legitimate news sources. So they would consider, and I'm, I'm very serious about this, they would consider something potentially from Radio Free Almond as fake news under their program. Oh, yeah. Yet they would consider something from the Post-Dispatch to be a legitimate news source. So therefore, they would get better rankings. They would come up more on news feeds because they're considered a legitimate news source. Right. So to your point, what you're saying is absolutely accurate. That is why there is still weight in something like the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, it's incredible to believe, but it still is the case. And it's why you have, for instance... Uh, I was in competition when I was over at the Dinosaur Radio Show, and now, of course, none of that is even competition for me now because of our, our level of listenership. But I was dealing with a guy who, and Tony Messenger's over there. This morning show, there are 26 morning shows in St. Louis on terrestrial radio. This morning show was number 26. Zero point zero was basically their rating point when yep. they like they had they had so few advertisers and yet if you you know talk like oh McGraw Millhaven I know who that is it's like nobody else does you know and, and unfortunately that's where Tony Messenger hangs out too so so you have the added benefit of having no one listening to a word the guy's saying but still it carries weight it carries weight advertisers still go there for whatever reason, and that's how that whole thing works. It's pretty interesting. All right, so the NFL, I, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm a divided on the national anthem knee thing, and the only reason I'm divided on it is because I don't believe that the NFL needs to impose a 15-yard penalty for fail. I, I do believe that the, the penalties ought to be reserved for actions during the game. I think if if a if a 
football organization, and believe me, the NFL owners, because I think a lot of them are kind of gutless, they probably wanted the league to do this for them so they didn't have to punish their players themselves. And, and, and so they want the league to impose a 15-yard penalty on a team or whatever, when to me, I don't think that's appropriate at all. I think it is appropriate for a team to tell a player, stand or you're benched. Stand yeah. or I tear up your contract. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's beyond the realm of comprehension that a team would would because everybody has certain pro, You know, companies have dress codes. Yes, you couldn't come into work in your bathrobe, and yet you could basically maintain that's your expression of your freedom of speech or whatever. But you know, try going into work in your bathrobe and telling your boss that you're taking a stand for all the bathrobe wearers out there. Couldn't agree more. Uh, it, it, so, so a team has the right to tell people, you know what, the National Anthem's part of what we do here, uh, and any, much like what you do out in the community, whatever, and before you sign this contract, and you know, maybe you ought to put it in the contracts. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a classic free market situation. If you get interviewed by a football team and they say, do you stand during the national anthem or do you kneel? They say, I kneel. That football team then says, okay, no problem. We only bring on people who stand for the national. However, there's four teams that it's all kneelers. And then it's amazing because these teams rely on sponsorships and everything else. Have a team full of kneelers, right? And then see if they're supported. Yeah. I mean, and just let let the market speak. Right. And at that point, so I I think the league, you know, the whole fifteen yard penalty thing is kind of is a little ridiculous, and I think it ought to be left to the the actual play of the game where you're going to impose penalties. And I realize there are some things where they'll penalize people for uh, celebrations or do you yeah. know things that, but but that still is part of the game. This is not really part of the game, but I think that, unfortunately, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out on the part of the NFL owners who have a lot of power over NFL rules. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they all got together and said, will you please impose a penalty so we don't have to tell our coddled players to comport themselves in a manner that's reflective of America. And I, I, I hear I, I hear the whole wrap up. I know. Yes, but this is a, the very expression of America. It's like, okay, great. Do it in Detroit. Yeah. Instead of Dallas or wherever it ha- or you, wherever you have to be. It, it, it's it you can do you can you can express yourself wherever and however you want to, just don't do it in a place that doesn't want you to do it that way. I don't get that bent out of shape about the whole because again, you have the choice to watch it or don't watch it. If you don't like something that that person is doing, don't support the team. Don't support the sponsors that sponsors that team. And don't watch the game. Well, it really showed me that how little attention is paid to the national anthem. Because normally when you're watching a a game, you never see the national anthem. So it was weird how how much of a big deal it became. Because unless you were at the game, you would never see these guys kneeling. Unless they got unless they got their pictures taken and put on the front page of a paper, you'd never even know they were kneeling because if you watch a football game on a Sunday, you're not watch you're not seeing the national anthem normally. A Super Bowl, uh, yeah, That's, or a Super you know. Bowl, yeah. Speaking of being coddled, your boy, the 30 year old evicted <laughs> from his parents' home, he made an appearance on uh, CNN. Okay, yeah. he's an upstanding. Right. The simplest guy. question: Do you not want to find your own place? This is this is the story. 
about the 30-year-old who this went all the way to the state Supreme Court. To me, I still don't understand why this became an issue, whether it be the laws of New York or the homesteading laws, whatever. But why the parents, first of all, went through this process of, first of all, offering him money to leave. Secondly, you know, trying to find him a place. Uh, I think they, they even provided written pleas for him to go. And yet, I don't understand why, if you've got a 30-year-old living in a house, you don't want him there, change the locks. <laughs> I mean, I, obviously, listen, as a parent, it'd be really hard for me to kick my kid out anyway if they really did need me. Uh, but obviously, if they're a problem like this guy apparently was in his house and was a nuisance and was a drag on the resources of the family and everything else and was able-bodied and able to work, then you're going to have to make that decision at some point. To me, the parents are really largely responsible for this problem. It sounds like a classic uh, liberal parenting uh, model. Well, they were asking him to go. <laughs> yeah, Writing him letters. Yes. When he lived in the same Dear house. Son. Well, and also at one point they were saying that, well, do you think you could clean up your guns? <laughs> could you think you could put your guns in some, some place? It's like, you got to be kidding it me. It reminds me of the movie Step Brothers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd, I'd be over there at Target buying a Rubbermaid yes. bin, and I'd put his guns out on the front lawn, and that's where he'd be. All right, here he is on CNN, though. No. Why not? I don't want to live there anymore. I, you don't I, want to live I with your parents. I don't like living with. No, um, uh, it's not. It's it's very tense. It's very awkward. It's uh, we have to um, clean up. You know, we have to share space, which you know may be the case with with uh, where I would find myself afterwards. But um, I I prefer to get out. Okay, so on the preferring to get out, let's rewind for a second, because it's my understanding you've lived, you know, at your parents' house, rent-free for eight years, and I know you do your own laundry, you buy your own food, but they asked you five times, please move <laughs> out. Why couldn't you guys resolve this without the court? I would consider uh, much of uh, what they were doing to try to get me out as a tax, and what I was trying to, I was just, uh, you know, just, mm, oh, trying to preserve, uh, well, trying to do what's best for me, which is just, you know, let's try to be a little more reasonable. You know, I'll, I'll leave. I don't like living here, um, but I need, you know, I need reasonable time. And uh, as an example of this, the first um, notice that I received, the February 2nd notice, was basically, you have 14 days before you're outside in the winter weather. So the first thing I did when I got that was I, uh, I tried to I made sure that that wasn't going to happen. I, I contacted the police department. I said, "Is this something that's you know that this could happen?" And they're like, "No, you can you just call us. That they can't do that." And I said, "All right." And I was like, "All right." And Michael, um, wow, Matt, I'm listening to you. I, I really am. But let me just understand. No, you're not. Because who is who's is anybody listening to him? I just played that clip. I might as well have gone out and got a cup of coffee. <laughs> the guy's boring me to death. But there's, there's something is not right about this story. And one thing I do know is, unfortunately, it's become an attack on millennials in general. And I've always been very defensive of millennials in general. Thank because 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with them. You happen to be one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but, I, but even at the radio station where I worked, you know, Pippi and Katie, and that they're millennials, and <clears throat> they're some of the hardest working people I know. So I've never, I've, I, I really haven't had that bad experience with, I have two kids who are millennials, right. and I, I have not had, they're hardworking, they're passionate about what they do. One fought for the country, yeah, well, yeah. you know. So, so I don't really have that, bad taste in my mouth about millennials. So I don't really believe that this story ought to be turned into a general attack on millennials. Because there are a lot of really pretty well-put-together millennials out there, as you, you're right, right? And, and, and so I, but, but still, there's something weird about this whole thing. And I think actually goes back to, unfortunately, baby boomers. It does. And, and because the parents are baby boomers. Yeah, that is a story about baby boomers. Yes, exactly. Not a story about millennials. I totally, I totally agree with you, <laughs> completely. But there's something not right about this story in general, because, he, first of all, he has, you know, he's a father. Oh, I did he has not a kid, know that. And he, okay. and, he, and he lost visitation rights to see his kid. And so there's a lot of stuff going on here that just doesn't seem exactly right. But... The problem in general is that it actually went to a court and New York taxpayer dollars and a lot of energy and a lot of reporting energy is going into uh, trying to figure this out. So, yeah, anyway, we'll be back. By the way, Genevieve Wood's going to be joining us. Uh, We've got more on President Trump and the discussion about the deep state going after him in general with with not only what he's calling now Spygate, so we're going to follow up on that. And the media is now digging in in its claim that President Trump is attacking the, the basic traditions of our judicial system and everything else, which is a complete farce. Also, by the way, I think uh, later on today we're going to be checking in with not only Genevieve Wood, but also with Austin Peterson in the wake of that poll that came out. So we're going to pop in with him. And we will return, everybody. It's radio free. Oh, man. I am not such a clever one about the latest facts. I admit I was never one adored by local lads. Not that I ever try to be a saint. I'm the type that they classify as quaint I'm old fashioned I love the moonlight I love the old fashioned things the sound Holding hands, ease my heart. 
sounds of Ella Fitzgerald here at Radio Free Almond. Hope you're enjoying today's music and of course we'll also bring you Tchaikovsky's Concerto Number no. 7 just a little <laughs> later on as well. I was waiting for that. <laughs> it was perfect. This is awesome. Ella, this is a great version. Old Fashioned is a great one. I'm Old Fashioned is great. Uh, Betty Carter is a really good one as well with uh, I think it was uh, a Pianist. I don't know who that is, but yeah, it's good. A little, a little faster version of I'm old fashioned. I'm old fashioned with me. You like my pictures, people? It's amazing. We have we have these new uh, photos. All right, you guys on Facebook are gonna get a treat. Well, maybe I'm calling it a treat because you're actually just seeing it, but that doesn't mean it's a treat because you're seeing the pictures. But I'm telling you, uh, we I we have these. It's called breathable fabric, and my buddy Ben Murphy over at McClay Signs, he's the one who did the uh, Radio Free Allman banner. And so in order to kind of jazz up the studio a little bit, we're going to just different versions of the um, different versions of, of our, of me. Yeah, it's, it's the so, many phases so, of yeah, Jamie Allman. So I'm going to take my headphones off here. And those of you who are watching on Facebook are going to see this. Yes. Uh, those of you who are listening on a stream, if you can see it, patent it. Okay. <laughs> Get a patent and say, look, I just saw something on a stream. You know, people can, can watch the stream, the live stream, through the app. You, didn't, you may not have known that. Oh, no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, if you bring up the app, there's, there's a little menu button up at the top left-hand corner. When you hit that, there's something called Facebook Live Feed. Oh. You can hit that, and you can actually watch the live feed through the app. So you can basically put your phone up on this little thing on your dashboard oh, or something yeah. and see it that way? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Okay, cool. That's really I try to reveal new facts. I, yeah, yeah so, so on the app you can do that. I saw yeah. all those things on the yeah. app, but I, didn't, I, I would push them and nothing would happen. Yeah. So it's there. It's there. Okay, cool. All right, so I'm going to go and um, – okay, I'm going to go and look out. You're going you're to pan the camera, aren't you? <clears throat> yeah. No one knew you were a cameraman. Here. So we've got these pictures, and eventually we're going to put – this is just temporary. 
Hold on. We getting this? So those pictures will be. Yeah. Over, do you see it? Yeah. So these pictures will be over on uh, on uh, uh, like around the studio. So, but Ben put these together. It's called breathable fabric, and so they're on the. On, can they see this? Yeah. The internet's dropping in and out. So give me one second. Okay. Figure out why. The internet's dropping in and out. So there you go. it might okay. be because it's hotter than hell in here. <laughs> It is summer. Just to let you guys know, it's almost June. But yeah, so we've got these going, and we're going to put these pictures. I mean, I, I don't even think it's too much like me. No, it's your sh- It is. I know, but I'm just thinking, is it too, too much? No. Never. Can you? Oh, there's the shot. This, yeah. This was, oh, you, know, you can't have too much. So well, these, these are not going to be all in one thing. So this will be like maybe over there, or and that will be over there, and over It'll be like a, just a like a studio. I really like it. And it's not even a picture of me, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, that's that's what it'll uh, that's what it'll look like. But, but that's just what it looks like now. Right. But they're gonna look even better. Yeah. Okay. You know, Jamie. People think. People comment about this a lot. The fact that we stand for three hours. Yeah. That's been a frequent. I, um, I, 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 um, I do not like sitting. I don't either. They uh, they're like, gosh, standing that long. I know. I, I can't, I can't sit. Oh, uh, because yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it makes me nervous. Yeah. And it, it, I don't feel like I am dominating my area when I am sitting. It's like I go to, I, I don't know how many times I go to the kids' games or something, right? And everybody brings these, first of all, these chairs, right? The, the, the fold-up chairs that have the, like, the cup holder in them and everything else. <laughs> yes. And we're going, you got to be kidding me. It, it, to me, it's too much work, first of all, to carry a chair yeah. to begin with. Secondly, the idea of actually, I, I, like, I don't need to sit for it. I'm not, okay, I, I'm not attacking people who sit in chairs, okay? Just so you know, I'm, I'm, that, I'm not making a statement about that. But all I'm asking is, please don't ask me if I want to sit down every 10 minutes. Because he all, does that's it. All, so so I, I need to have something that is uh, like a T-shirt or something. Don't ask me to sit down. Or stop asking me to sit down. Because I don't want to sit down. Sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> it's just the truth. It is? Yes! It's um, like... Horrible. Naputi would totally say this. By the way, really quick, Naputi says, Naputi says, is it weird I have the same picture of Jamie in my office at home? Is that too much, Jamie? Or is there really such a thing? I was at, I was at uh, Dr. Naputi's place yesterday. And it was almost like I, because like I, I was feeling it. So I got the, I got the uh, Myers cocktail, you know, the mm-hmm. IV, the oh, vitamin yeah. IV. And then I did this magnetic thing. Oh, I'm familiar. Which was awesome. I know there's a word for it, but pulsed elect- electric magnetic therapy. Okay, pull it's really it was great. P- then yeah. I got yeah, and then I got adjusted and I, it was weird because I, I think I was like I I think I was crooked. Like I was virtually just absolutely crooked. <laughs> Not like Scott Fawn. 
Not, crook- a, not, a, not convicted, felon. Crooked. Tax scofflaw crooked. Okay. I was, my body was crooked. Fair. Physically. Yes. Okay. I mean, you, you could hear, like, like the entirety of the Naputi Wellness Center stopped in their <laughs> tracks when he adjusted me, because they're like, wait, what just happened there? Was that, did somebody just break their neck? No, it was him being, just being adjusted, because it was... It's good for you. Oh, it was great. I felt great, man. It was perfect. Just, just what the Dr. Naputi ordered. It's fantastic. So I uh, went down there, talked to a bunch of people who listened to the show. Yeah. And are very happy for Radio Free Almond back in action. So that was, that was a ton of fun. And, of course, I, I knew a lot of people down there to begin with because, of course, he used to support me over yeah. there at 97.1 and still supports me uh, here eventually when we get things worked out uh, court-wise. Because right now, here's the bottom line. And I'll tell you guys honestly what the truth of the matter is when it comes to a lot of my advertisers. Because people might wonder, well. how come, where, where'd they yes. go? Because I, I don't want you guys to think that those folks aren't supporting me. Because uh, so, so I heard from somebody going, how come they're not with you now? I'm like, well, here's the deal. And, and then, then Genevieve's going to be on with us in a second. And then uh, Austin Peters is going to be on it with us eight. And we'll cover some of the stuff that's going on with the deep state, that kind of thing. But I, I'll just get personal with you for a second. And, and this is perfectly okay for me to talk about this. My contract, uh, of course, you know, I filed suit against uh, MS and Intercom for serious multiple breaches of my contract. So I have to be careful then uh, not to breach my contract. Right. So on my, myself, my contract says that if I leave, and, and this is, by the way, this is a company that didn't want me there anymore, right? So, so first of all, I'm forbidden from working at any other radio station for a year. This is a company that doesn't want me there anymore. Now, I signed the contract. I get it. Uh, but it's a, it's a non-compete. But, for instance, Intercom has done nothing. Like, non-competes are normally designed for individuals who, you know, you're training them, and, and then you don't want them to then suddenly leave, start Correct. their own business, and yep. take all your trade secrets. I get that. Intercom has had nothing to do with my career, never helped me for a second, and, and everything I've done is 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 because of a past company and and because of what I've been doing. Intercom has zero to do and had zero to do with the fact that I was a number one morning show, uh, a top rated morning show in St. Louis. Intercom had zero to do with it. But anyway, but still, they're they're they they don't want me. Uh, they publicly defamed me and got rid of me and breached my contract and still will not allow me to work for a year at any other radio station. Not that I need to, because we've got this and this is going on. But they were also forbidden me for two years from taking money from any advertiser that was on my show while I was there. For two years. So, like, for instance, we've been fighting, and, and we continue to fight, and we're actually fighting this on a, on a, on a micro level now, to because essentially if if I take money from these guys and they all want to advertise on the show. Yes. Uh but if the numbers if, are if huge. I take money from them now, I would be breaching my contract. And because I am a an, am a honest person and if I'm accusing somebody else of breaching my contract, uh then uh, I'm not going to breach it myself as a matter of Policy. You just, yeah, yeah you just, you're not going to do that. 
But so, 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 so Dr. Deputy, for instance, is a person who wants to financially support my show, but is not allowed to. Correct. Which technically, if you get right down to it, is clearly a violation, clearly a restraint of trade, clearly a violation of the free speech rights Correct. of them. Now, it's not a violation of the free speech rights of me because I signed a contract that said that. I read that. I signed it. So I'm responsible for it at that point. But at some point when a company says, like bends over backwards to the point where they'll violate your contract just to get rid of you and they'll be dishonest just to get rid of you, you'd think that they wouldn't want to hold me Right. To the, if I'm so useless to them and such a damage to them, why are they worried about me working at another radio station? And, and why are they worried about me with advertisers? I thought the whole point was that somehow I was hurting advertising, which, of course, is an absolute total falsehood, as I've explained to all of you out there when I talked about how actually advertisers were flocking and doubling up their buys in yeah. support of me. So the idea that, that they were hemorrhaging advertisers is a complete and total falsehood that we will easily prove in court. And, and, and by the way, many of those individuals just said sayonara when I left. So that, that when, and we'll be able to prove that in court as well. And so the reality is if they shouldn't, if, if I'm so useless to them and was such a damage to them, that they would basically pull the plug on a top-rated morning show that was that was reaping in millions of dollars for them. Why would they be worried about me getting advertisers? I thought the point was that I was I was uh, damaged goods. Right. Well, because we know that that was not exactly honest. Of course, it's not. So, so what they want to do is they is they want to breach my contract. They want to get rid of me, throw me to the curb make me lie for severance, which I didn't do, and then they want to suffocate my ability to, to earn a living. And, and, and that's, so that's why you're not seeing... We're, we have some new guys coming on, some new people coming on, yep. which is going to be great. But please know that the advertisers that used to be on with me in the morning want to be on this show, but cannot. They're forbidden from it, uh, and to the point where there are some people who are at the station who are actually, I guess, reading my contract, which is, of course, a breach of confidentiality of my contract, and telling, threatening advertisers not to speak with me and not to deal with me. So that's how, that's how, uh, what, 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 that's how these guys are operating right now. So, for instance, you have some people like Proctor Drapery, and you have people like Michael's Flooring Outlet, and you have Dr. Deputy, and you have my 360-IRA guy, Jeremy North. You have Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. Yep. And, and you have, uh, I have a couple of uh, gun places. All these individuals, Banner Construction, all these people who would be with the show right now but they can't be because they are being, I, I am forbidden from taking money from them, so they can't do it.
Yeah, and, and I know you're really saying this because a lot of people have said, well, gosh, we're concerned because, you know, we're not hearing, uh, you know, the ads or anything like that. We are not concerned because we know what's happening in the background. Right. So right. really just take it for right now. And, for the sh- like Arrowhead yeah. Building Supply, yes. they want to go with me too. But, 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 absolutely. But, so I, I want you all to know out there, because I really haven't covered this, and, and I want to make sure that you all don't, for instance – punish them. And I, I would encourage you to actually continue to support all of those people who supported me at the Dinosaur Radio Show, because it's not their fault that they're not, for instance, on Radio Free Allman. They eventually will be, uh, but it's not their fault that they're not on here. So just just so, just so in case you were wondering yeah. about, oh, how did that work? What's the deal there? Uh, they can't. That's why they're not. But eventually, they will once we prevail oh, yeah. and, 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 and get our case going. I'll, I'll get you to Genevieve here so we cool. can call her, because I, I need to give you her um, number here, buddy, don't I? Let me do that real quickly. All right. So, also, by the way, I don't know whether you noticed that the uh, the folks over there at, um, at NBC and CBS are really happy to learn that President Trump, speaking of court cases, is now no longer able to block Twitter accounts. And the media just absolutely just love that. A federal that. judge in New York today ruled that President Trump's Twitter account is a public forum and he can no longer block his critics <laughs> because that violates their First Amendment rights. The judge said Mr. Trump can mute his critics instead, which makes their comments invisible to the president but visible to others. Huh. Hi, Genevieve. Hold, hold on. Oh, there she I is. wasn't sure when you were I'll bringing Genevieve. Hi, Genevieve Wood. How are you? Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I was just playing a little snippet from the news media folks who seemingly are very gleeful at a federal ruling that the president's Twitter account is essentially a public forum and he can no longer block people from communicating with him on Twitter. He can mute them. I don't know what the difference is because apparently blocking them is a violation of the First Amendment rights, but muting them isn't, which doesn't make any sense to me. Well, no, it doesn't to me make sense to me either. But the reality is he had this Twitter account before he was president of the United States. This is his personal Twitter account. Uh, there, there's an official at White House Twitter account uh, that is the rep, you know, the public, uh, what I would say what we the public pay for, meaning there's a social media team that runs that account. They work at the White House. They're putting out official White House statements. So I can understand saying that if you want to say that account can't block people, fine. But at real Donald Trump, that's his private account. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I was thinking too. And and again, the the reality is it's it's just this kind of a, it seems like a meaningless ruling if you can mute them yeah. as opposed to block them. I don't know what the difference is because because right. muting somebody, you're still kind of basically shutting them up. All the other, but I mean, I guess technically, other people can actually see the comments, but the president doesn't see them. But it just doesn't seem in the scheme of things uh, uh, very, very meaningful. Now, on to what is very interesting, and I know this is kind of also your wheelhouse because you uh, pay close attention to uh, national politics and a certain and certain trends in electoral politics across the country. 
And it was fascinating to see what happened in Texas with a couple of these grassroots individuals. And I've been dying to talk to you about what's happening here in Missouri now because previously, and maybe you hadn't heard of him before, although I think you probably have, Austin Peterson and some of the other people running for the Republican nomination to be to run against Claire McCaskill. But Josh Hawley has been traditionally or basically named by most media outlets as the front runner, so to speak. So a poll comes out last week that shows that in a matchup, Hawley has Claire McCaskill 50 to 43 and and uh, Peterson has up against McCaskill has her fifty six to forty, and so Austin Peterson now, if you really want to boil the numbers down, is kind of the front runner. Either way, it's definitely bad news for Claire McCaskill, but also in keeping yeah. with keeping with the trend in Texas as well, it seems to be bad news for these hand picked GOP candidates. And Jamie, I think that's been the case really, frankly, all, what do you want to call it, primary season, all the past several months we've been having these special elections and the like, there's, there's been a pushback against somebody who gets the nod from you know, the, the, the Republican establishment, the, the national GOP party. Even sometimes they might be a good candidate, but it's almost like it's, you, you don't want them to endorse you. You don't want to be saying, oh, yeah, the Senate majority leader with likes me. You kind of like don't want that label attached to you right now. Uh, and look, I, I, to me, I think, though, it's a good sign because that's the same wave, the same, I think, momentum and trend, frankly, that, that got Donald Trump elected in 2016. And it's good to see in many, in many places that it's still alive and well. Uh, and, you know, all about this blue wave that we've all been expecting. I know there's a lot of time between now and November, but, you know, a lot of the races and the national polling. Uh, over recent weeks have shown actually Republican voters may be more motivated than Democratic voters when you just look at the generic ballot. Right. So uh, it's shaping up to be a very interesting, uh, interesting election season. Well, there was a question at one point, too, uh, that, well, what will Republican voters be apathetic? But there's a there's, I think Republican voters seem to be highly motivated to hang on to the progress that they're already seeing with the Trump administration. So I, I agree with you that actually it might be going the, the exact opposite direction as, as usual that pundits predict it's going in. And that is that they're, uh, well, and, they're much more engaged. Yeah, no. And, and I also think, you know, to a certain extent, and again, not, not your hardcore, you know, Democrats and leftist voters who want to see the president impeached and, you know, love all these investigations. But I think people who they, they aren't, you know, dyed-in-the-wool uh, Democrats and lefties, they're sick of this stuff. The invest- the ongoing, 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 sc- new scandal, new scandal, new scandal. I mean, they're just tired of it. And if you look at, at the, the Democratic Party, what else are they talking about? I mean, they're not talking about anything, basically, but FBI and subpoenas. And I mean, that, that's all they, they want to talk about. And, and if you're a voter, you've you got to be thinking, like, okay, if we put these folks in power— it's just going to be more of that. That's what they're going to keep doing. And I think that's turning probably a lot of would-be independents uh, and others off. How does this play out then, Genevieve, on the national level? Like, for instance, it looks like people like Paul Ryan might be kind of swept up in this grassroots wave because there's talk that Jim Jordan would possibly replace him. And I know that it's kind of being talked about, but how real is the possibility that a guy like Paul Ryan will be kind of moved out or, or run out? 
Well, I mean, I mean, as we know, he's stepping down as a speaker, um, and I, you know, he may or may not decide to leave the post before, or the party may or may decide not to have him leave the post before the election. That's still to be determined, I think. But look, I think there is a lot of, of um, interest, if you will, in the House among and among, uh, I would say, the the conservative base to see a more conservative Republican Party uh, to really fight for things. And I think what they what they see in people like Jim Jordan and other members of the Freedom Caucus are real fighters. You know, that they and again, it goes back to I think that's one reason people wanted to elect Donald Trump. They thought this guy is going to be a fighter for America, a fighter for the, the, the middle class or the middle of the country. Uh, it's not going to be about special interests. He's just going to stand up for regular Americans, as you might call them. And I think they see that in people like Jim Jordan, too. So, I, I mean, I, it's going to play out in individual races. I think Paul Ryan is very popular in, in his home you know, district. Um, but, so I, but not just him. I think individually there's you know, 435 of these folks across the country. And each district's a little bit different. Uh, some are going to have more trouble than others. But I do think you're going to see, and you're seeing that in some of the primaries, you're seeing conservative candidates win on the Republican side. And on the Democratic side, which I think is a real problem for them, you're seeing some real leftists. I mean, that uh, no yeah. moderates are winning in these Democratic primaries. Maybe Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, but other than that, they are really left to center. Yeah, that's pretty amazing because I'm, I'm finding, I thought, I think this kind of began with the election of President Trump. And I'm looking, for instance, at some of the uh, campaign ads of some of these guys like Crenshaw down in Texas. And it seems to me when you're looking at these, these would otherwise be known as seemingly very conservative individuals. And yet you could see Democrats like blue collar Democrats, Reagan Democrats and those kind of guys, uh, people voting for these individuals. You know, whereas a traditional Republican seemingly there wouldn't be a chance that, for instance, a guy in Altoona would – a Democrat in Altoona would vote for Jeb Bush, but they did for Donald Trump. And it seems to me that it's an interesting trend to see how, as the party goes more conservative, oddly enough, uh, that many Democrats are gravitating towards it. But I think it's because they're more conservative on the things that matter to these individuals uh, when it comes to fiscal uh, situations and also when it comes to Second Amendment rights and that kind of stuff. Well, no, I, I think that's right, and I also think, look, when you when you get on the far left, I mean, some of the what they care about are just these kind of fringe issues, you know, and and they want to defend it, things like the MS thirteen gang. I mean, you know, seriously. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, yeah, your average your average person is like, no, that that isn't really what I want people up there doing. <laughs> that's not, you know, what that's not fighting for me. That's not fighting for America. It's crazy town, and, and it's and it's just a bunch of fringe causes all kind of wrapped up into one. And I, I, so you're right. I think they're 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 losing the, those kind of voters. And I do think it increasingly, to some extent, party labels matter less. Mm. It really is coming down more to individual candidates. And so it, you know, it, party may not matter so much, except to the voter. Uh, they may not think as much, frankly, about is a Republican are they going to keep control of Congress? I, I honestly don't know how much that plays into the minds of most voters, which is why individual candidates matter so much. It matters that you have a good – and I think we've seen that in some of these races where Republicans, they haven't had the best candidate. And even though the case was made, we need to hold on to this seat or we're going to potentially lose control of the Senate or we're going to you – know, this is going to make the House. It has not that, – that argument has not persuaded voters where Republicans haven't had a good candidate. So candidates matter. Only the left could possibly turn a defense of 
MS-13 gang members into a march on Selma. It's like, you got to be kidding yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the way these you're, – you're so right about how they, these guys have become just gratuitously left-wing just for the sake – it's just grasping at straws. And, of course, you and I have this conversation all the time where I guess they, they – now that they've run out of Confederate statues to tear down, they're on to other little minor minutia details to try to keep up this whole idea that Republicans and conservatives are just a bunch of racists out there. So Genevieve, would you agree then? Because I I think it's kind of interesting. One of the points that you made, we hear this a lot in politics. Well, it's getting more extreme on each side. You know, the the Democrats are becoming more, you know, extreme and the the conservatives, you, you hear that one a lot, are becoming more extreme. To your point, is that kind of true that that it is conservatives are becoming more conservative Liberals are going more liberal and kind of that center line is disappearing. Is that what you're seeing or do you agree with that? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I definitely think the left is becoming more liberal or their cause is just becoming more French. You know, it's always like who can find the, the newest, craziest thing to like we're for this, you know, mm-hmm. Um but on the on the right, honestly, I, I think people are just kind of staying where they are. I mean, people who are pro-life aren't necessarily becoming more pro-life. They've always been pro-life. Right. You know, it, I mean, they're yeah, there's there are they for legislation that curbs abortion. Yes. But they've always been for that. Um, we're still against, you know, having high taxes on people. Well, we've always been against uh, high taxes and the growth of government. I mean, honestly, I, I think most in the, on the conservative side. I think you mostly see people just kind of holding the line of where they are. But when the other side becomes further and further left, mm-hmm. it, you, you do have a growing divide, but not because conservatives are becoming more conservative, but to me, because the left is becoming so fringe. Um, I mean, that to me, that's where the great divide is happening. Yeah. yeah. Great you know, point. I mean, yes. Are we fighting for marriage? But yeah, we've always thought marriage was between a man and a woman. You know, so, uh-huh. I mean, it's not like conservatives have changed their minds on these things. Right. Uh, it's people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and all these others who used to also believe that about marriage and others in the Democratic Party. They've all gone left. If you why you have no conservative Democrats anywhere, basically, in the country now. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you can't be pro-life and be a Democrat. You basically right. can't stand up for marriage and be a Democrat. I mean, it just. I think that's where the divide has come. Well, you have even a situation where Tester uh, is 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 his his seat is in peril, and he was probably one of the most conservative Democrats around. Correct, John yeah, Tester. Yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Montana. Yeah, uh, but but well, but you know, you can't be that in the party anymore because they they just they talk about intolerant. You know, <laughs> I mean they they just don't want those kind of members whatsoever. I mean, I, I, it's amazing to me Joe Manchin in West Virginia has been able to hold on as well as he has, and he may end up with a tougher race than, than some people think as well. But again, I, I'm I'm surprised that that Democrats have allowed him in some cases to take the stance he has, because every once in a while he takes a pretty strong conservative stance. You know, historically, if, if, if 2018 plays out the way we see the numbers playing out, where, you, where the House will not be taken over by Democrats and the Senate will not be taken over by Democrats, if I'm not mistaken, this would be one of the first times when, like, for instance, with Obama, when he was elected in 2008, 2010, Republicans took over. And usually when you have a very energetic president, newly elected, energetic president who's doing a lot of things quickly, you have that turnover in Congress. It just kind of is a natural 
correction, so to speak. But this could be this could be a really bad sign for the Democratic Party if they don't wind up doing that under the very aggressive, assertive presidency of a President Trump. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It would be it'd be uh, certainly maybe not historical, but it would definitely be history making in the sense that you're right. I mean, most almost every single president to, after their first term, the first two, the first election after the midterms, they they take a beating, you know, in, in the election cycle. But you know, some of that is, you know, if you look at Obama, the things that that he pushed so hard when he first got in. I mean, most Americans weren't for it. Mm. You know, they, they weren't for taking over the health care yeah. system. I think most most Americans kind of like that they got money back in their paycheck. You know, I mean, so what what Trump is mostly pushed for tax reform, uh, you know, not that anything's yet happened on the immigration issue in the wall, but he's continued to push on that. He's continued to push hard against things like gangs like MS-13. I think most Americans do want those things to happen. So I just I don't think there's a pushback on the agenda that the Trump administration via Congress has been has been putting through. Uh, so I think that's one reason you, you aren't seeing that probably blue wave uh, that some were expecting it's because the legislation they pushed hasn't really been controversial. He's done what he campaigned on, and that's what got him elected. No doubt about it. Well, Genevieve Wood, I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. I, in fact, am going to be in your neck of the woods Thank this weekend. I'm, I'm going up there for a wedding, but I'm kind of in and out. So I'll be able to experience beautiful D.C. this weekend as well. So uh, happy Memorial Day to you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Jamie. Have a good one as well. You too, dear. Speaking of the demise of the Democratic Party, you should hear Nancy Pelosi address a voter who basically insinuates she's too old We'll get your Nancy Pelosi voice, hopefully. And it definitely sounds like she's too old.
thinking that I'm, I'm right now uh, paying JB rent for the <laughs> studio and everything else. I'm thinking maybe, I'm thinking maybe, maybe that'll, that'll help. Would, would that cool. get the air conditioning on if I went ahead and paid the rent? Am I somehow late paying the rent? Is it with JB? Is it punishment? JB just turns the, turns the air conditioner off in here? Yeah, he's like, I'll make you pay the rent. Hang I'll up. shut the AC off. But you must pay the rent. But I can't pay the rent. But you must pay the rent. But I can't pay the rent. Hold on. What making waiting wait, waiting for this to go through? That reminds me of that. Uh, it's Mr. McMillan. Would you like that? That speech by what's his name where he tells him that the rent is just too high. Oh, is that uh, that's the that's the uh, that's the guy who's uh, thirty seconds more. Allow me to introduce myself. It's, I uh, represent the rent. Yeah, too yeah. damn high. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! You remember that? That was funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. Whatever happened to that dude? <laughs> he had the. Oh yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, whatever happened to him? What's his name? No. In some homeless shelter someplace now. So, Austin Peters is going to join us. Uh, Peters is going to join us in just a little bit. And don't forget, folks, we're going to go ahead today. We're going to kind of seal the deal up on the location, location of the Throwdown Palooza with Doug Giles, the Warrior and the Wild Man, an afternoon with the Warrior and the Wild Man. And that's going to be from 12 to 6 at this location. It's going to be in St. Peter's. We're pretty darn, I mean, unless something happens today in our meeting, you know. And so just to make sure everybody knows what will happen, as soon as we do actually secure that, uh, there will be a link. I'm hoping to have that link up by Friday, um, potentially even tonight, tonight or tomorrow, 
you should see the link for that event so that way you can click going, you can share it, you can get all the details about it. But people don't really have to register, no. do they? Okay, good. No. Because I, I want to make sure that people don't have to like sign up to go because sometimes it's like, I don't want to, I'm not going to sign up to go and they think they have to sign up. This is a, us, you just saying you're going to go and, yeah. uh, and share it with everybody. So, so that's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. that's the whole purpose of it is really just to get, because there's a lot of people that we still are running into that are, they're lost. They, they're not listening to the dinosaur radio. They don't know where you are. Yeah, right. And so these events help curb that gap. Right on. And then the night before, because I'm flying Doug in, and he's coming in the afternoon on Friday, and then we're going to be over at the Missouri Athletic Club West. I'm just sealing the deal on that, too, so unless something happens with that. <laughs> but that's that, that. this is all tentative, but as you're plotting out your weekend of the 8th and 9th of June. Just think about that sphere. So Friday night, I, I encourage you to come to both. Hopefully yeah. you'll come to both. But if you want to come to the book signing, which is going to be 530 to 8 at Missouri Athletic Club West, which is going to be a ton of fun, beautiful place, easy to get to. And the next day, noon, we kick off the barbecue, for lack of a better term, but it's a palooza for us. And we're going to have food trucks, and we're going to have... Have, have we... Uh, is that my phone? Or it yours? was mine. Do we have? Uh, have we determined that we can't have lemonade stands of youngster, young entrepreneurs, or not? I can't make that call. Who can? <laughs> Do I make the call, or am You're, I liable if somebody gets poisoned? You are the one who makes that call. Oh. You are radio free. Well, <laughs> I don't think it's the. I, I think it's the fact that like. You know you've covered these stories of these kids that run lemonade stands and then they get shut down by right. the local fuzz. Well, as long as... I mean, I don't want a situation where it's like suddenly it looks like uh, Guyana and Jim Jones. <laughs> they don't have that, that flea market kind well, of. Well, our bloated bodies are all laying all over the parking lot like... Jim Jones and Guyana, that that thing happened where they drank. That's where the drinking oh, the Kool Aid comes going. from. You guys know? Did you know that that's where drinking the Kool Aid came from? Yeah, of course. Okay, the cyanide, right? Well, it was cyanide, whatever it was. Yeah, it? I don't yeah. know. Was it? I think so. Kind of a sad deal. Well, kind, yeah. That was like a, I watched a documentary on that, and then how they flew in. It was a senator, right? Congressman. That, yeah, yeah, congressman. Oh yeah, yeah. It was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad deal. But yeah, that was. But anyway, I don't want that, that to happen. That will not be. Yeah. <laughs> that will not be the radio free all of it event. <laughs> Poor kids are going to come with their lemonade stand. People are going to be like terrified of, <laughs> of of going of getting their their lemonade, thinking they're going to be poisoned. Oh, Nancy Pelosi. Okay, so she is. Uh, she's putting herself in front of the voters. She and Henry Fonda brought the canoe to shore. It's my favorite. <laughs> do and a do. So she's she's at some town hall, and this woman from Maryland decides she's going to ask her uh, a question about age. You want to roll through this? You want to you want to you want to try to uh, board the vessel to travel through the mind of Nancy Pelosi? I always forget what that movie is. The, the, where they took they took a submarine oh. through a human body. Somebody will mention it on on yeah. the Facebook page. But remember that it was like uh, journey through the body. 
I don't know. I mean, they did but, it on magic. But they went bus. through. <laughs> well, no, but they went through like a body. They went through the brain and through the heart, and lungs, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, it's it's so fantastic voyage. It. Yeah. Okay. Come along and ride on the. That wasn't it, though. I have something for you along these lines. You gave us a good segue there, Madam Eater. I want to bring in Mary Pat Lennon. Retired, lives in Maryland. You can tell, by the way, that they have microphones right near the people clapping. Have you ever heard clapping louder than that? (laughs) Go back to it. Listen to this. Along these lines. You gave us a good segue there, Madam Eater. I want to bring in Mary Pat Lennon. Retired, lives in Maryland. Mary Pat, what is your question? Beautiful scarf you have on tonight. Oh, shut up. From Ethiopia. Leader Pelosi. I know, I know that this is our life that we have to deal with. From Ethiopia. How many six-year-olds did it take to make your sweater, lady? How many six-year-old starving Ethiopians went and made your liberal sweater? (laughs) (laughs) You can tell they they definitely... I mean, come on! It's terrible. I mean... I want to bring in Mary Pat Lennon. Retired, lives in Maryland. Mary Pat, what is your question? Beautiful scarf you have on tonight. From Ethiopia. Yes. They laugh real loud. Uh, Three-year-old starving babies made my scarf. (laughs) They all laugh in the crowd. (laughs) Ethiopia! (laughs) At least we know some Democrats are at least putting Ethiopians to work. That's what's-his-name, isn't it? At least Ethiopians have jobs uh, under under, uh, their rule over there. The Democrats are actually providing a framework for employment for Ethiopians, because heaven forbid if they were in charge here, they definitely wouldn't be providing pl- framework for employment here. Leader Pelosi, Quorum.us tells us that more than half of the senators running for re-election this year are over 65 years old. If they win, their term of service will be six years. Their constituents are about 20 years younger. Isn't it time for some members to return to private service and to encourage younger folks to run for office? So they have to That's actually a darn good question. It is. Yeah. Uh, that's worthy of a clap right next to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. I mean, where are they? Are they like in somebody's uh, bathroom or something? <laughs> it's real I, echoey. It sounds too. like they're in a, in a shower someplace. Should I take that personally? <laughs> <laughs> you're not in the Senate, so me, you're good. Let me say this: um, oh. uh, two things. First of all, by the way, it's not going to be two things. I hope you know that. It's never two things with Nancy Pelosi. Again, strap in. We're about to go traveling through the mind of Nancy Pelosi. But I said earlier about money and politics, if you reduce the role of money in politics and increase the level of civility in politics, you will elect more women, more young people, more people of color to elect Yes, we need, we need more women elected to accuse President Trump of being sexist and racist. That'll be more civility. 
What is she talking about civility? I noticed that. They, 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 I, I tried to tell this to somebody the other day about when the left wing or Democrats call people divisive. The only time that they ever call anybody divisive is when people aren't agreeing with yeah, their point yeah. of view. We need more bipartisanship. It's like, no, you just want people to come to your side. When these people talk about bipartisanship, it's the biggest bunch of baloney because they really don't mean it. They just want you to come yeah. over to their side. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> And nothing is more wholesome than that. The fact is that Congress has a seniority system, so people in different regions want to make sure that the people who represent them are in a senior position to help express their views, the, the uh, concerns of their region. By the way, how is it that there is this idea that women and people of color will provide for a more peaceful political environment because to my knowledge some women and people of color and obviously white guys yes are causing a lot of trouble these days it's it's not like it's not like there that there's more peace in the land because there were more women and blacks in, a in sense, politics that's almost racist and sexist to even say that yes right <laughs> <laughs> it's got to echo more But I'll take it personally and say that as a woman who came to Congress later because I raised my five children before I decided that uh, to accept the opportunity to run for Congress. So lots of times women are a bit older because they have been raising their children. Now I'm happy because lots of young people, young women are running with young children and we're trying to make it as family friendly as possible. Oh, yeah. The liberals are so family friendly. So, so she's saying that, that they're making it family friendly, uh, I, like like bringing their kids to the house chamber or something. But I don't think, for me, I don't think age has that much to do with it. I think it's about, and especially as a woman, I mm-hmm. you know, I, say, I want women to know that whether they're going uh, from college to Congress, well, they can't really do that, but twenty five <laughs> years old to Congress. Oh God or in my case, from the kitchen to Congress after my kids were grown, uh, that whatever you're bringing, it's new and fresh and different. It's really weird. That's one of the things, and I realize I certainly admire Nancy Pelosi for raising five kids. It's not easy to be a mom. It's certainly not easy to raise children. So to uh, to her regard, yeah, I think that's great that she did that. But it's interesting how she describes her life as being in the kitchen. Because isn't that kind of the way yes. – one of the problems with, with the way people portray, for instance, mothers who stay at home is somehow it's a negative thing when moms stay at home. And they're looked down upon by a lot of people uh, as not, for instance, working. Like uh, these, these are these these are not working women. When reality is, try raising a child or being with a child at home, and say that that's not working. That's working right there. But you know, it's interesting how she talks about this being in the kitchen, where I think we've been trying to get beyond mm-hmm. that idea. 
and I'm, I think most women wouldn't mind saying that they're they're homemakers and they're, and as as and they're domestic. But this whole idea that somehow you're just in the kitchen if you're a stay at home mom is crazy. That's a lib- I mean, that's a liberal concept, though. I, the idea that you're really not contributing that much. Uh, it's the old barefoot and pregnant in the yeah. kitchen mentality. Yeah. I mean, that's extremely sexist. That she, I'm surprised she even said that. Yes, right. Yes. Me too. <laughs> You're a woman. And that is with all the respect in the world for our male colleagues. But the important thing is to have the mix at the table, at the table. Mm. So I think that, uh, uh, again. Keep in mind, the question was about aging Individuals. This was not about women or anything else. I realized her point was that she's more aged because she had a life before this. But now look where this has gone. Right now, this is off the rails. Whatever submarine we're traveling on <laughs> through her synapses is now upside down and, and, and floating wildly. Reduce, through the, the whole, as I said to you earlier, the whole environment is changing. These young people are registering kids. 17 years old, who are not even quite old enough to vote, but will be by the time of the election. The women marched, and now they're running. And now they're running. And so there's a whole... People say to me, how are you going to use all that town? I said, no, how are they going to use us? How are we going to incorporate their fresh enthusiasm? I've never seen mobilization like it. And everybody has to justify their existence to their constituents, and that's the democratic way. But... uh, uh, again, don't uh, uh, some members come to Congress older and they're newer. Some people have been there, <laughs> there 20 go. years and they're younger, but they just got a younger start. Oh, so anyway, that is all yeah. to say we want to take the talent, the experience, uh, the values where they are. And we want to have the mix in all of it. But if you have a problem with somebody who's older, run for office. By the way, why is CNN even having a town hall with Speaker Nancy Pelosi. This is a new thing that they do. They have town halls five times a week now. Right, but what would be the purpose of having a town hall with Nancy Pelosi, who is a minority leader in the Democratic Party? Like, what would be the use of that? Unless you were basically CNN trying to basically juice up the prospects of the so-called blue wave or whatever it happens to be. I'm not quite sure why Nancy Pelosi is someone to be the center of attention here at a CNN town hall. I mean, you know darn well why CNN does that stuff, because it further push. you know, I mean, who, if they had a choice, who would they rather have on? Yes! You know? Yes! yes. Nancy Pelosi! Yes! <laughs> calling Austin Peterson, calling Austin Peterson... Austin Peterson here. Good morning, Austin Peterson. Jamie Allman here. And Ryan Jacox here in the beautiful studios of Radio Free Allman, brother. How you doing? Uh, well, I've never been doing better than I'm doing right now, but it seems like I get to say that every single day because we're really cruising, brother. Buddy, that poll, I, listen, it wasn't shocking to any of us because eventually when you're just kind of sitting on your rear and phoning things in, it tends to catch up on you. But that poll that was done on the 16th of May, and it's a, it's a highly scientific, 800 and something people, and it was, you know, it, and, and it's done by a reputable firm. 
uh, showing you essentially trouncing Claire McCaskill, while even though Hawley is ahead of her in the poll, in a head-to-head, you're far ahead of her. And to those of us who have watched your campaign, uh, not the slightest bit surprising. Yeah, uh, so we, we kind of suspected that this might be the case. And, you know, some people are out there kind of trying to spin the poll. But, I mean, if they do the same, if they do the same thing, we get the same results. I mean, Claire McCaskill is extremely unpopular. She's the most unpopular senator uh, out of the entire Congress. And um, we thought to ourselves, well, it's entirely possible that we are able to sort of reach across the aisle and bring together a coalition of you know, not just Republicans, but a lot of independents, a lot of libertarians, and even a few Democrats who still care about civil liberties. And when we were kind of crunching the numbers in our head, we were thinking we can probably win by about 56% based on you know, historic vote totals. And then sure enough, the numbers come back 56%. But I mean, the real key takeaways were interesting with this was that we do 14% better than Holly does with McCaskill amongst women. We do. We actually do 20 two percent better with republicans and then when you compare us to mccaskill versus holly when it comes to young people i mean we blow them out of the water 42 percent better amongst young people if the republican party wants to renew and revitalize and get new blood into this party keep people away from the bernie bros and the democratic socialists and the austin peterson campaign can bring that to the party i'm really excited about our chances now because the question has always been austin who is best equipped to beat claire mccaskill because it's clear that she is definitely beatable but the question is, though, uh, because she's going to turn up the burner once once everybody's nominated and everybody's uh, the the primary's over. Clearly, they're going to throw as much money as they possibly can. So you have to have not more money uh, necessarily. You have to have an apparatus that is passionate, that is aggressive, uh, and that is out there the way your campaign has been. Like if you compare the two campaigns. Uh, there's really no comparison in terms of the energy and everything else. And I'm not quite sure why that is the case with Hawley. But the bottom line is if you had to have some kind of template for who would be best positioned energetically to tackle Claire McCaskill, I think you'd have to be the one. Yeah. I, the, well, when Josh Hawley was sort of pressed on that political article that came out last week, he was asked, why isn't he campaigning? Why isn't he working harder to fundraise? Why isn't he showing up to any events? He just stated sort of plainly that he didn't even want to do this. And frankly, it shows he hasn't shown up to events around the state. He's burned a lot of bridges. And when Ann Wagner came to the debate that he didn't show up at, she said it very clearly. You can't win if you don't show up. I think he thought this would be a cakewalk. I think when Mitch McConnell told him that they would clear the primary field for him and push Ann Wagner aside, they burned some bridges there. And, you know, why would you want to give somebody a job if they don't want the job? Uh, Frankly, I think the attorney general has a lot on his hands in Jefferson City. And uh, if he really wants to, to do right by the people of Missouri, he should stick to his promises that he'll do his job as attorney general. Now, right now, we have to determine what's going to happen with all of these proceedings in Jefferson City. But that sort of muddies the waters, and I think it, it sort of tars him 
if you want a candidate who can inspire passion, who isn't connected to any of those guys in Jefferson City, who has no connections to Danforth or Karl Rove or Mitch McConnell, you can send a true constitutional conservative to Washington, D.C., who keeps his promises, has a record of doing so, who's willing to work hard, and who can obviously destroy Claire McCaskill at the ballot box. The, the numbers are the numbers. Math says I'm the best candidate to beat, beat Claire. Most people that I've met in Missouri are ABC voters, anybody but Claire. Well, if you don't want to take a chance, then you've got to vote for Austin Peterson for U.S. Senate, and the numbers prove it. That picture of Josh Hawley at the gym, that was like, <laughs> was I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, all, I'm, a, I'm a fan of fitness, obviously. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for taking care of yourself, but that picture of him at the gym was, was bad. I would not have wanted that picture Hey, Austin. There. Yeah, just, look. Yeah. Hey, you know, August 7th is the is the primary here. What are you doing between now now that this polls come out, you know, the races, I, I guess the Lincoln Days events are, are done are finished, if you will. What are you doing between now and August 7th to, to truly bring this thing home? Great question, actually. Um, you know how Donald Trump was when he was asked about how he was going to destroy ISIS. He said, I have a secret plan to destroy ISIS. I can't tell you my plan. Well, I have a secret plan to win on August 7th, and I can't tell you my plan. But oh, okay. basically, it, in- <laughs> no, no, it, bas- it involves uh, you know, door-to-door. We, we're, the, yeah. we're actually the only campaign that has a field program. We're the only campaign that has, um, that has uh, not just door-knocking, but also phone banking. Uh, we're fundraising like crazy, so we're going to bring hundreds of young people out from all around the nation to come and knock on doors to help us win the primary. We're, we've already made thousands of phone calls. We're pushing up towards the tens of thousands of phone calls. So we're going to inspire passion in our supporters. We're going to get out the vote, and we're going to do it. Then we're going to turn around. We're going to link arms with all of our Republican colleagues and say, hey, good game. Now let's we're all on the same team. Let's get on board. Let's Let's call the president. Let's get President Trump out here, and let's go fire Claire. Yeah, it seems to me that considering how the numbers turned out for you in that latest poll, it seems to me you can you can basically continue what you're doing. That's what brought you to this place to begin with. I remember when your campaign first started, you guys basically made it a point to make sure you were very active in social media, that you were everywhere, everywhere, because everywhere I went, you were there. And by the way, if you want to come, if you want to, I don't know where, what your plan is on the uh, – on the 9th of June, but we're having the big uh, Radio Free Almond uh, Warrior and Wildman Throwdown Palooza with Doug Giles, and we're having a big old barbecue type of thing from 12 to 6. So if you want to pop out there, we're there. Yeah, let us know. Heather will obviously uh, control the yeah. schedule, so I'll definitely let her know to do that. But cool. yeah, we, we don't want to change much of what we're doing because we know what we we're doing has been working. I think this poll was really sort of the final nail in the coffin for us to be able to say, hey, listen, guys, we know that you guys really want to beat Claire McCaskill. That's really what's important here. Let's not risk it with somebody who, one, doesn't want the job, two, isn't working for it, three, has too much in his, on his hands in Jefferson City. Let's just send somebody who doesn't have any of that sort of tainted atmosphere that's coming out of Jefferson City right now. And, again, I honestly think Josh Hawley will be relieved to lose mm-hmm. because when you don't want it and there's all this pressure on you you know he he's got he's got too many conflicts of interest going on right now so let's 
just send somebody who's clean, fresh, who's ready to rock, and who in the polls can dominate Claire. Let's build a coalition of all Americans. You know, I, I'm I'm actually kind of tired of all the partisanship out there. I'm ready to actually go out there and talk about how I'm going to be a good representative for all Missourians, not just Republicans, Democrats, but everybody, even people who don't show up to the polls on election day. You know, you actually have to represent all of them as well. I'm, I'm ready to unify this state to get that democratic socialist out of there and to, to, to bring honest conservative politics and a, and a true limited government message to Washington, D.C. so I can join Rand Paul, Mike Lee, and Ted Cruz, and you know me, Jamie, I'm ready to make Calvin Coolidge cool again. <laughs> exactly, buddy. I have his book sitting right on my table here in the studio, so uh, you and me, love it. I love to geek out with you over Calvin Coolidge. You know, it's interesting, too, uh, from the libertarian flair uh, and point of view, if you see what's happening in Washington, D.C. right now with the nefarious activities of the deep state, And whether you agree with President Trump or not, I'm talking to you folks out there, whether you agree with him or not, the reality is you are seeing a huge display of the kind of power that folks in the Justice Department and in the deep state have and the kind of power that actually – from, from from my tracking of Austin Peterson throughout his career and from other people who have been civil libertarian-minded, this is exactly what you guys have warned about when it comes to giving too much power to the state, so to speak. Right. It's the, it's the bureaucracy. When, when you create these massive bureaucracies and the president is appointing some of these people to high levels, right? When President Obama gets into power, he puts all of these underlings that want to conform to his agenda. But then when the new president comes in, you can't clean house entirely. Yes, a lot of people do get walking papers or they resign or what have you. But there are people in there who have an agenda that's counter to what the president of the United States, the current president, believes or what he wants or the policies that he issues. They try and undermine him. So the problem is is that you this or the solution is you need smaller government we we need to get rid of these bureaucracies but people unfortunately have grown accustomed to big government we we need to get weaned off of it we need to find a way to solve society's problems without turning to force which is what government is so for me the libertarian solution of limited government solves so many of these problems where the president is under threat they're they're constantly trying to undermine his job, and in many ways they're un, they're trying to undermine the 2016 elections. It, it in some ways it's kind of what's happening to Eric Greitens. I mean, some people want to overturn an election, and you know when the Democrats when they lose an election now because they've lost the policy argument, hands down. When they lose elections now, they litigate, 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 and try and tie everything up in courts, which trial lawyers love. You know, people like Claire McCaskill and her ilk. They just they can't accept the outcome. Do you remember, Jamie? Do you remember when the, the Democrats the day before the election were saying, "Oh, once this is over, we all have to come together"? How dare Donald Trump not accept the right. outcome? How dare Donald Trump say he might that the system might be rigged? And then when they lose, all of a sudden, it's well, rigged. it's rigged, and <laughs> we can't accept. Not my president. <laughs> So un-American so was he, and we need to keep on the fight. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, even with even with the surveillance powers of the government, we're seeing exactly what they were able to do, just with a political candidate. And you know what? I I wouldn't. I don't want Republicans to have that kind of power either, or to or to oversee that kind of uh, power state right. either. I mean, I'm 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 I, I think that in the wrong hands of anybody, it could be abused, and we we've seen that abused and. 
lower level to Eric Greitens, I think e- even when it comes to due process, I can't imagine the situation down in Jefferson City. And obviously, as a senator, you wouldn't have much to do with it. But uh, this idea that you can have an impeachment proceeding, but you will not afford the defense of the person who mm. is is the target of the impeachment proceedings allowed to cross-examine witnesses. It's just like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I have a con- I have a con- I have a conspiracy theory. Um, my conspiracy theory here is that Josh Hawley, who has ex- has insanely powerful friends, ha- has got egg on his face because he jumped the gun and told the governor to resign. And now, instead of campaigning, he now has to spend all of his time and energy trying to look good by getting the governor impeached. He's got to call in a lot of favors, which they have done with their campaign so far. But he's got to do everything that he can to destroy Governor Brightons, whether he's guilty or not. I mean, there's a, the, the conflict of interest is staggering in the case with Josh Hawley because he made a political move to throw the governor under the bus before due process had had, had its day, before he'd had his day in court. And now he has to destroy the governor because what happens if in a month the governor is exonerated, he's not impeached, he's cleared of, of all charges – then what does Josh Hawley look like? I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of dirty dealings. There's some House of Cards style stuff happening in Jefferson City. And frankly, again, we, we you know this is another reason why we cannot try and send this guy to D.C. He's got too much going on in Jefferson City, you know. And I mean, I just really think that there that there are sinister forces afoot in our state capital right now, and uh, we need to start looking towards other options for our for our Senate pick this fall because the Democrats have too much on him. I know that for a fact that the pick of Lieutenant Governor Parson and the rest of the folks who are waiting for Greitens to be removed, they're huge supporters of Josh Hawley. That's that's who they're backing, essentially, right, right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of that uh, conspiracy theory certainly had some uh, weight to it, buddy. Austin, real quick, we're getting some questions from, from folks on Facebook. And you know, uh, they're all over the place, but one of them, Tom has a question. He says, what is Austin's view on law enforcement and the rise of violence in the state and how can it be controlled or stopped at the U S Senate level or can it? Great question. Um, you know, the more corrupt the state, the more numerous the laws. And this country is laid thick with laws from end to end. It, it's unfortunate because I think that people have lost respect for the law in this country because the laws are so stupid. Things like you in Maryland, you can't collect rainwater on your own property in barrels or you'll get a fine. Uh, I mean, there. so what happens is that people, they mistake law enforcement for the lawmakers, and so they rise up against law enforcement, and they don't have respect for the proper respect for law enforcement because we have bad laws. And if you think about it, it makes sense because most people, that's who they come into contact when they come into contact with the law on a regular basis. And frankly, I'm sick and tired of putting police officers' lives in danger enforcing so many of these victimless crimes across the country. We spend $27 billion a year uh, repeating the same mistakes that we made during alcohol prohibition, and we we are enacting a bloody war on our own people. So the federal government can do a lot to help protect the lives and the respect of law enforcement 
by getting rid of some of these bad laws, because it, you know, if you're a police officer, you still have to enforce the law no matter what it is. So whether you have to serve somebody on their property for collecting rainwater, or you have to go and respond to a complaint because some kid's smoking mo- you know, pot in his mom's basement, either way, you're putting your life in danger, and it's taking police officers away from, from enforcing real crimes, which harm real people. Uh, so yes, the federal government can do a lot, and I plan to do a lot to get the federal government out of the way and to create new respect for law which I think will in turn affect the, the impact, the respect that people have for law enforcement. Well, because that comes in the formulation of uh, the trend regarding criminal justice reform. And, and we saw a little bit of that. One of the things that I felt was a really great, uh, was a positive outgrowth of all the tumult in Ferguson was an exploration of these municipal court systems and what's been happening there where mm-hmm. these people are just kind of mired in this circular court appearance thing and they can't pay this. And then when they can't pay that, there's a warrant out for them because they can't pay that. And it was, I think, I think that kind of thing on a, on a more macro level, uh, especially with criminal justice reform, I think we uh, that's, that's something obviously you as a Senator would have a lot to do with. Absolutely. And there's so many good reforms that have been put forward that have some, some bipartisan support, but people just aren't willing to work on a bill if it comes from a Democrat or you know if it comes from a Republican. Alternatively, we, we've got to break ourselves out of the matrix and stop looking at things as light, right versus left, Democrat versus Republican. The, to me, you know, and Matt Drudge actually said this a couple of years ago, it's, a, it's not about those things. It's about authoritarianism versus libertarianism. It's about big government versus small government. And when, it, when the, there was an old quote by a French philosopher, uh, the name of Frederick Bastiat, who said, um, uh, he was, when he was talking about the police and talking about the laws, he said, the, when the law is perverted, the police powers of the state are perverted along with it. And so um, what happens is that you destroy these people's livelihoods because there was, a, there was an estimate that we all Americans commit around three felonies a day on average. <laughs> three felonies a day. <laughs> wow. Why do you think – so, so, yeah, so, I mean, what do you think? You know, Eric Greitens gets pulled over by law enforcement, and it's, you know, it's statewide news. Yeah. I mean, everybody is – everywhere we go, we're breaking laws. You know, you, you, you turn right on red. How dare you, right? There was no one coming, but it said no right on red. So unfortunately, again, it, it all comes back to the fact that we have no respect for law because we have bad laws. I'm running to be a lawmaker, but again, back to Calvin Coolidge, it is so much more important to kill bad bills than it is to pass new good ones. And I'm not saying I'm going to be entirely an obstructionist, but frankly, we need more people who are willing to say no. We need more people who are willing to kill bad bill, bills, to stand up to the leadership like the Mitch McConnells and Lindsey Grahams of our own party – uh, and, and to say no. And uh, I plan to stand with Rand Paul. I plan to stand with Mike Lee. And I, I plan to join the conservatives of the Senate next year. And when they try and ram another $1.3 trillion omnibus bill down our throats in 48 hours or less, I'm I'm going to say no. Start to starve the beast that Calvin Coolidge yeah. predicted we'd be all chained to in terms of having to feed it the way we're feeding it right now. I mean, it's hard to believe that. 1924, when he made that infamous speech regarding how we were all destined to become a nation of serfs, uh, 1924, 10 years after the federal income tax, and everything he said right there on the lawn of the White House proved to be true. Amazing. Hmm. By the way, too... Yeah. Well, you know, Jamie, your audience is obviously keyed in, so, so you know, everybody oh, yeah. should read Amity Schley's. 
Amity Slays wrote a really good book about Coolidge, so I highly recommend that uh, people check out that book. Yeah, I, I actually have it right in front of me. Uh, and if it's right here, it's, yep. it's, it's got Coolidge standing there with yep. his uh, cool top stove pop, uh, stovepipe hat and Amity Shades. It's great. It's a good book. You know who gave this to me, by the way, of all people? Mark, Mark Kaysen. You believe that? This left winger gave me a book about Coolidge, I guess, because he didn't want to. He, he didn't want to touch he, it. He was touching. He was going to light his hand on fire. So he gave it to me, I guess. Uh, All right. Well, Austin. Yeah, I'm actually holding, I'm hold, I'm holding a book that Paul Kurtman gave me right now, The 33 Strategies of War. Um, if you guys don't know Paul Kurtman, uh, I'm sure you do. But if the listeners don't, he's running for the state auditor right now, and he's a wonderful man. Um, but uh, we need to get back to we need to get back to the basics. We need to, as conservatives, we need to understand Calvin Coolidge, why he was the best president in U.S. history, and um, and I'm really glad to have this book from Paul Kurtman because I'm going to put these strategies to use first to beat Hawley, and then as you saw in the poll, I will destroy Claire McCaskill this fall and bring us a conservative victory. Jamie, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, brother. And you know, one thing, one last thing about Coolidge, it's too bad. You know what he did was he basically got so tired mm. of the way things were operating that he, he just said, I'm not going to run for a second term. He could have easily uh, won it. And then we got Hoover. So the rest is history. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> well, they, they, well they, they, yeah, last thing they called him, they called him silent cow. Yeah. So one day a, a man approached him and said, I had a, a bet with my friend that I could get you to say more than two words. And Calvin Coolidge replied, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, brother. Well, uh, hang in there, and uh, we appreciate you as always. Thank you, Austin Peterson. Thanks, Jamie. Take care. Bye, guys. Hey, right, man. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of Paul Kurtman, so we need to have him on. I know because we yeah. we we had um, uh, our other candidate on yesterday, and she was fantastic. She was but awesome. we've got to we've got to get uh, we've got to get uh, Paul on too. I've Boy, known him a long time. Just. We had Sandra. Okay. Just FYI, that conversation, wow. You want to energize uh, the audience. You bring one of these Senate candidates on. It just gets the comments oh, yeah. just flowing. Because uh, well, everybody kind of has their little yes. place, and there are, there are a lot of big, and again, People don't confuse any of what we do or what I do as an endorsement. For instance, I will extend the same invitation to every single one of these candidates to be out there on Saturday, yeah. and, and I, I hope they will turn out. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, no, it's a parade full of, you know, we're not having a parade, but they're, they're, I'm welcome to have them come out, and, and Tony's always a very entertaining yeah. guy. So everybody has their person, and we try to give everybody a chance to be on with us, and we will continue to do so. And make sure they're on with us, and 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 able to spend some time with them, that kind of thing. So we'll make sure we do this. So if you all are out there, and you're Manetti fans, or you are Pfeiffer fans, or you are Nichols fans, or you are uh, Cortland Sykes fans, yeah, we're gonna. These people are all going to be back. They're all going to be right here. If we can't get them on in the studio, they're going to be on the phone. So we'll 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 take all comers and tweet them that they need to be at the barbecue because I mean that's the thing. I mean if you want to win, because I notice on here you guys are either Minetti fans or Peterson fans or Sykes fans. Get those guys to these events because that's how you're going to win the other side. Yeah, I, I'd like to you see know? a poll. I'd like to see a poll with Minetti in it. I'd like right. to see a poll with Cortland Sykes. 
I'm glad finally they got to a point where they did a poll that had Peterson in it. I mean, because up up to now, for the most part, all we've been seeing are polls with Hawley in it. Right. And I'm like, well, wh- how, why is that? I mean, especially when people, when you're a pollster, why wouldn't you poll everybody? Why wouldn't you include everybody in a poll? Because then suddenly you become more of an advocate as opposed to a pollster. I thought pollsters were supposed to be everybody. I'd like to see Cortland Sykes show up. How, how does he show up against Claire McCaskill? Or how does Christy Nichols show up against Claire McCaskill? Or Peter Pfeiffer? Or Tony Minetti? I mean, I'd like to see those people polled. Yeah, because, I mean, you may find out that every single one of them poll better than McCaskill, and that basically means that as long as we bring a conservative in... They'll beat Claire McCaskill. I'm addicted to Nancy Pelosi speeches. <laughs> I know you are. And there's another one out there. It's from her weekly news conference. Man, a little fun with that. Let's take a couple phone calls, too, huh? You want to do that? Yeah. I am still living with your ghost. What's the number? Lonely and dreaming of the West Coast. You guys, I have a lot to remember. 314-462-2772. That's 314-462-2772. With my big black boots and an old suitcase. I do believe I'll find myself a new place. I don't.
Everclear's still around, too. They uh, come back to St. Louis every once in a while, Matt. Everclear? Yeah, they're a great band. So, basically, things kind of got a little hot in the old chat room there, did it not? It heated up. So, Peter Pfeiffer, wait, wait, was he actually on there? I don't know. Okay, but somebody was, like, pounding the frown button when Austin was on, right? Yes. Okay. And other people, somebody texted me, too, and said, well, I heard that Austin paid for that poll. So, I, who knows? All I'm saying is... Uh, it, it, he could have. Whenever, yeah, I mean, listen, why wouldn't you pay for a poll? Now, now, does that mean that the, 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 they're saying that this marketing firm, this firm that did it, is uh, corrupt? Or I, I don't know, but... No, I mean, you could pay for independent data firms to go out, collect that data, and the data's the data. I mean, you know, but you got to pay for it, and that is common, that you have to pay for that. Yeah, for those polls to be conducted because they are expensive. Well, and also, by the way, it's it's if it's the only time you can get any polling, yeah. like for instance, these guys have all only been polling Hawley. Yeah, like we haven't seen polls with Peter Pfeiffer in them. We haven't seen polls with Cortland Sykes in them, or Christy Nichols in them, or Tony Minetti, and, or, and we and this is the first one I've seen with even Austin Peterson getting a mention in the damn thing. Phone calls so, are blowing up. Yeah, so let's get them. Okay, let's go. Let's roll. Good hey, can you hear us? Yeah, I'm doing good. Hey, what's up? Who's this? This this is Carrie. Oh, hey, Carrie, what's up, man? Well, um, we're, we're down here in Southwest Missouri, and we're, we're working with a group of activists, and we're trying to make a difference to get a Liberty candidate that's going to be elected to Senate. Okay, and. <laughs> And so we watched what happened there at that debate uh, in the St. Louis area. And yeah. So we were going to host another debate. And we've got some of the, the activist groups here in the area, like the Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, they're going to help co-sponsor. Uh, Lock and Smith, Tom Martz uh, with Lock and Smith, he's going to be leading an effort there. And he's with the local talk radio show. But um, I guess my, my point is, is there seems to be a little bit of void because Hawley's not showed up to any of the local events, and Peterson hasn't really been to Springfield since the Lincoln days. And I think whoever really shows up and pays attention to the activists here in the area uh, is going to go a long way to support their candidacy. Boy, that's for sure, especially Springfield, which is uh, that whole Greene County area there is a huge hotbed of grassroots conservatism and of people who really are engaged. And in my opinion, it's like with Senator Blunt, who is actually from that area, yeah. but still, you do well in Greene County in that area there, but you it's not a matter of doing well. You have to get everybody out there for you, and it can make a huge difference out there. So, Carrie, let us know when exactly this debate's going to happen and we'll do as much coverage as we can for you on that. Sure. It, it'll be on June 20, uh, 22nd, 6, 6 p.m., uh, and, and I'll share the event here so you all will have that. All yeah. right, brother. Um, hey, by the way, where are you now? I think it's it, here, here in the Springfield area right now. Okay. Uh, so, so Several groups. Are you listening on the app then? Is that how you found us, or how, how are you engaged no, with no, the show? No, no, I'm a... Uh, 
Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm watching live on Facebook. Okay, live right all right, now. good, perfect. I just was we're just doing a little survey in terms of like how, how we we love the fact yeah. that we're getting Springfield folks who are tuning into the program because we we'd like to ultimately grow the Radio Free Almond Network to a degree where we're kind of uh, statewide, nationwide, you name it. So I'm glad to see that you you're uh, you're here. Yeah, tell tell Nick Reed down there with 104.1 that uh, you're you're active on Radio Free Almond. Sure, and, okay, and that's what's going to happen is Tom Martz, is, he's, a, he's a, a regular on Nick Reed's show on every Friday, so that's where it's going to go when helping with these candidates because Tom's going to do the review and he's going to be hitting it hard each week on the radio show to see how the activists responded to these candidates showing up to the debate or who did not show up. Right. Awesome. All right, buddy. Uh, thanks Ooh. a lot, buddy. Appreciate you very much. Who else? Anybody else on there? Yeah, I second only take they were ringing like crazy, so if oh. you just called, call back again so I could – Take the call. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was missing a bunch of them. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, so if you, what's the number? Give it 314-462-2772. Sometimes we have the number up the whole time, but the problem is people, like, call. We, we haven't quite, we're getting the phone system thing down to a better Here thing. Can I take this one? An unpleasant ring, too. I know. I'm sorry. It's like it's like the cell phone ring. But anyway, what's going on? Who's this? My name is Steve Church, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. This Good morning. morning this morning, Steve Church, the troublemaker of Missouri. What's going on, man? Uh, nothing. I just want to say hi, and I was just trying to figure out what four six two two seven seven two spells. <laughs> Not nothing. Much. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. She says, you know. No. Yeah. How you doing, I, man? I haven't heard your comments, Jamie. That uh, I, I was really intrigued. What, what were your comments about the committee questioning oh, yesterday, buddy? You should. I, I, unfortunately, I I really just laid waste on Fawn and the rest of the crew at the top of the show, six a.m. So if you guys want to hear my my takedown of this whole process down there. But the bottom line, Steve, is what I, what I essentially the nutshell here, but I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. But the nutshell here is, here is first of all, Fawn sits there, won't answer questions, and is hiding information since he doesn't have to tell. This is the same guy that won't stop running his big, fat mouth about how Greitens needs to be more transparent. How about the guy who constantly talks about the Greitens' dark money? You keep talking to Fawn about how, why is it that you're really going after Greitens? Is it because Sterling Bank supports your little uh, TV show there and they love tax credits? Is it because you do this? Because No, no, it's because of dark money. It's because of dark money. We don't like the dark money. We don't like the fact that he erased, erased the text. And then the minute Fawn actually is asked a question, he sits there with his Chuck Hatfield lawyer and declines to answer questions. So here's a guy who has made it a crusade for the past year about transparency. But the minute he has to be transparent, he keeps his mouth shut. Right. I, my when I watched that yesterday, I went to my uh, memory bank and I recall a certain TV station manager uh, griping and moaning because checks kept bouncing and someone couldn't pay their bills, so a certain Sunday morning TV show could go on the air. Yeah, but he has one hundred and twenty thousand dollars to throw at Al Watkins, but yeah. he couldn't pay his bills at Channel Thirty. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the guy, the, this guy, it's amazing. The Post-Dispatch begrudgingly actually did a profile of him at one point, uh, and because only because they had to. The idea that this kind of guy, a convicted felon, a tax scofflaw, could actually be the standard bearer of the Republican establishment, have his own TV show, have at the point where even local Republicans go on his show and kiss his ass all day long, how this guy has come this far without ever being questioned about his own past and everything else. And I realize there's a redemption quality that we all appreciate. Everybody can be forgiven, blah, blah, blah. But, but how this guy wound up in this position of power where he can be a kingmaker in Jefferson City is beyond the realm of comprehension. And the only thing you can figure is that it's because these people down there are no better and allowed him to attain that position. Yeah, they don't have a clue. By the way, how does my phone sound? Do I, do I sound clear or do I sound? You sound great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. You, you sound good. Oh, good. Because I, I would call him the dinosaur. And, and it would sound like this. Oh, yeah, no, I know. But yeah. <laughs> you let me go on and on and on and on and on and just talk, and then I would listen to it. And I, well, the problem is, you understand the word I said. The phone line there all the time, you'd have these people on, and, pe- and people have to realize, like, for instance, my headphones were always up to the highest level. But I would try to explain to people uh, when they call on the, on the, when it's the cell phone, people, first of all, are not don't have headphones on at volume number 10. They're driving in their car, or they, or they have kids who are asking for more milk. Uh, and, and so ultimately, with all those ancillary sounds, you don't, hear, you don't hear anybody. All you hear is this mumbling, blah, blah, blah. So the quality of a phone line is hugely important because uh, there are so many other sounds in people's lives, and oftentimes they just, don't, they just give up. They just don't, don't even listen to the person on the other end of the line. So all right, well, all right, buddy. We'll, we'll gossip off the air. Call call me later, and uh, <laughs> I enjoy the show and keep up the good work and fight the good fight, Jamie Ullman. Good morning, Steve. Go Church. get him. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. I got to get you a hat eventually. Yeah, Steve and I worked over at uh, the Ullman Report as uh, producer yeah. over there, but but that is true about about the quality and people just forget and and, and it's amazing people like who call into shows. I'm not talking about viewers or listeners. But like guess, yeah. like why wouldn't you be on a landline <laughs> or something that really works uh, to get your point? I mean, I've interviewed people who've worked like five years on a book, right? And, and they decide to they decide they decide to call you while they're on their way to the grocery store to talk about a book they've been writing for five years, and you can't hear a word they're saying. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Your one Skype? moment. Yeah, That's just Skype, yeah. And I know it has its faults because, you know, I know we're working on an actual phone system, but I do like that call clarity. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. great, especially with the, with the guests and everything yeah. else because people just absolutely disengage. Here's what they also do. When, when Nancy Pelosi speaks, they disengage. <laughs> I need to go back to her weekly. This is making the – this is like going viral now. It's not just that CNN town hall. But I just can't resist it. I'm sorry. Since great economic uncertainty and self-inflicted damage of the Trump tariffs. I say self, self for our country. Uh, but Republicans wrote a bill that abandons farmers, uh, f- uh, fam- farming families. It weakens, weakens the farmers' 
safety net, 1.5 million veterans are involved in the nutrition program. <laughs> this is ideological. They have, they have, the way they did this video is they have they they have a shot of her. They have a sh here. I'll show you real quick. You guys, I will have to put we'll put the link to okay. this video up there. But here, oh my, my she's just so everywhere. <laughs> Hold on. So she's she's talking and she loses Five her million veterans. Involved in the nutrition program. She's like losing her about, I don't know, taking food out of the mouths of babies. That maybe is a priority for them. Oh, she cares about babies. Oh, again. yeah. There she goes again. Only when it's convenient. There she goes again. All right, get the phone number out because I'm, I'm kind of liking people. What are people saying on Facebook, though, in the aftermath of the Senate thing? Because people don't fight with each yes, other. Yes, they're fighting. I, we had somebody tell. One of our people to f off on the thing the other day. It gets heated on here. <laughs> it gets heated, which you know. Oh, I, uh, I'm not laughing. I, I don't want people to tell people to. F you know off. what? No. Um, you know what's actually kind of interesting is how heated it is about the state auditor position. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. you've got you know we had Sandra on yesterday, and then you've got a lot of Paul Kurtman fans as well. Yeah, I love Paul. Kurtman. And. Uh, Boy, it heats up. So, yeah, phone number is 314-462-2772. But here's the problem with all that, though, is that that people think because we have somebody on the air yes. and we're nice to them, that that means we endorse them. But I've known Paul Kirkman for a long time, even had him on the TV show when he first announced. And so I love the guy. I know, I've known him since he first started um, running for, for office. Okay. And so he's been around a long time, a great guy. But the, the, the fact that we had Sandra in is not an endorsement. Paul is welcome to come in as well. And, and so just so you guys know, uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I'm a, I, you know, I, I love all people. Yeah. Everybody. That's what I'm saying. If you, knowing that that barbecue is coming up, the big palooza is coming up, um, that's why it's so important that if you really want your candidate – Tell them to be there because otherwise what will end up happening is you're going to have one candidate there and they're going to be like, well, they only was only one. Everyone was invited. So it looks like the main headline is that the President Trump now says the Singapore summit with uh, Kim Jong-un is canceled. A and the part of this has to do not with Kim Jong-un's distaste for whatever was going on with the military exercises – I'm I'm seeing, although there's not a lot of detail added to this story, I'm seeing that it might have to do with Kim Jong-un not wanting to leave the country because he's afraid that he is going to be overthrown because there are a lot of people that are definitely not happy with him entering into talk. So here's a guy who's mm. a despotic leader, but there are other people who are a hell of a lot more despotic than he is. And my hunch is that this has a lot to do with him not wanting to leave the country. Yeah, because there's also reports, because then there's going to be people who say, well, see, this all wasn't anything. Well, we also have reports that's headlined right now that North Korea appears to have destroyed nuclear tunnels. So they are at least appearing to be. I mean, there's literal footage of explosives going off, destroying the tunnels for the nuclear sites, the creation sites. Well, so and that's what is making some people in North Korea wanting Kim Jong-un out of there because they think he's being too much of a wuss mm -hmm. and they don't like that. And so my hunch is, although I don't know why, because apparently now it's just in the in the headline mode 
and nothing more that I, I had understood there to be a real fear that in some way, shape, or form that there were, he would be overthrown if he left the country. I mean, I could see it because they worship him like a god there. I don't know why they just don't do this right there at the DMZ. I just yeah. do do it in that ugly room there. There's like a there's like a conference room there. The or something. blue houses. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like really like it's a weird desolate. <laughs> there's no plants in between the middle. It's just like rock kind of strewn. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, they should just have it at the DMZ. I agree. I, I think there's there's and therefore that, that way Kim Jong Un doesn't even have to go anywhere. I, I'm sure they don't want Trump being there. Yeah, but for I mean, well, uh, well, well, but here's the thing, though: you're you're at the DMZ, so you so, so you've you've got the entirety of the South Korean military behind you, and so I guess there might be a chance. I mean, to me, just even even dealing with this thing seems highly dangerous to me anyway, considering North Korea yeah. and its proclivities. But at some point, I, I, but I do think this might have to do more with, uh, with the fact that he just doesn't want to leave the country. All right, so now you had said, uh, what, what were you talking about? Oh, uh, about showing up at, the, at, the, at the, what we're calling a barbecue, loosely. Palooza. Uh, the palooza, the, the uh, throwdown palooza, because it's going to have the food trucks there. We have not sealed the deal on location. So a lot of you are wondering, where is it? What's going to happen? We are, today, we're going to nail down the exact site mm-hmm. of the place, and we're going to basically just then lay it out there in more of a f- invitation form. So we're going to put the book signing, the Doug Giles book signing in there, which is going to be Friday the 8th. So you can kind of just in terms of planning your time here, uh, Friday the 8th is going to be from 5.30 to 8 at the Missouri Athletic Club West, right there off the Pear Road, and it's really easy to get to. It's right off of 270, and so you guys will be able to, to, to be able to get there easily uh, from wherever you happen to be. So it's going to be 5.30 to 8. Uh, the book signing, he'll have three books that we've that we're having shipped to us, which is Pussification, uh, and we have Raising Rowdy Righteous Girls, and then also the uh, rules uh, rules for uh, radical Christians, which is his brand yeah. new book. So we have all three of those. And then Saturday, it'll we know the time is going to be from noon to six. We know it's basically going to be in St. Peter's, yeah. and uh, we'll be able to make the announcement to you uh, ultimately on Facebook over the weekend, whatever yeah. it happens to be. We'll put something yep. together for you, and and put it all together. I will be out of town. Uh, going to a wedding in Washington, D.C. So tomorrow, we're going to kind of have a best of. Monday, I will be Facebooking live. We won't be streaming, uh, but we, we, I'm, we might be putting together, depending on how quickly we do this, uh, some at least some Memorial Day vibe for you that will stream. So it might come in the form of music or reflections uh, or what have you. Uh, we're definitely, if you, did, if you missed the Dave MacArthur uh, discussion about moose. We'll have that on tomorrow, yeah. right? Correct. Yep. And so it's going to be kind of a, a loosey goosey day tomorrow, and then Monday I'll just Facebook live from beautiful Washington D.C. And then we're back uh, definitely on Tuesday, and we'll hit the ground running. And then it's off to the races with our big uh, deal on the eighth and ninth. You know, you let you 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 let some people down yesterday because in the and you, I know you'd never intentionally do this, but in the headline you said how it was a bad day for Latin. 
Yeah, oh yeah. You never covered it. Oh though. darn it! I I didn't. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes we have we have even though we have three hours, I completely forgot to cover this. So anyway, <laughs> the 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 fact that it was it was a, a Publix uh, store, uh, grocery store, which is kind of like the Chinooks here, you know. But Publix is mostly in the southeast, it is. and so uh, you. They they were asked to make a cake for this guy's graduation, and he was uh, he was graduating summa cum laude, right? Yes. Okay, so they wanted a cake with that on there, right? A high, definitely a high honor, right? although um, <laughs> you and I that, never experienced never that. Yeah, <laughs> don't even know. What you that get two point six written on your yeah. cake. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that uh, I, I thought that summa cum laude came on a stick. <laughs> You with uh, grilled with uh, soy sauce on it, so I had no idea. What, you know, no. But it, so they asked for the cake to have those three words on it. Well, because of Publix, there's some kind of algorithmic type of Supposedly. computer. Yeah, right. Of course, some computer thing, uh, and so they decided that the middle word was not an appropriate word, even though it was actually uh, with. It, it's, it's in, it translates to with yes. in Latin. So at least I know a little bit That's about that, good. right? Yeah. Uh, so um, summa cum laude is, is, and cum is with, but it's spelled C-U-M. So it came across in uh, the dirty mind of the algorithmic computer. Or the cake maker. Or the person squirting it on there who, <laughs> who actually... Uh, is probably a 2.6er like me and who had no, didn't even know what that was. Because there's a strong possibility. It's kind of it's like when I, was, when I was talking about the hot poker. Yeah. You realize there, there are legions of people who have no common cultural knowledge about euphemisms and colloquialisms. Like, they have no idea. And many of them are dumb as a stump. So, they, so, so when I said... Um, the hot poker, that's something that has been through the ages utilized as a euphemism and a metaphor for giving people a hard time right? and, you know, raking them over the coals or whatever. Like if I had said, I'm going to rake him over the coals, would you have said, Almond threatened to rake yeah, him over the coals? Burns. Yeah, I mean, it, it, would, it would be ridiculous. But unfortunately, uh, these individuals have... First of all, I think many of them do know it's a colloquialism, but didn't care and decided to make it up. And then other people just didn't know. I guarantee you there was a whole legion of people who had no idea that phrase existed anywhere else but in my tweet. So that's that's the problem. So anyway, my, I would venture to guess that this person who's doing the cake making probably didn't even know no. that was Latin. No way. And figured that somebody just wanted a cake with the like, C-U-M word on it. Like, what? <laughs> we can't do that. So what did they do? This is the best. So, well, they, they, they made it, but did put the dot, dot, dot. Yeah, dash, dash, Summa, dash. dot, 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 log. Oh, my <laughs> And so the family says they're trying to explain it to Grandma, who's in the room, not understanding why the dash, dash, dash is there. Very awkward moment for the whole family. Well, a couple things confuse me about that. Okay. Uh, about that whole thing, it's kind of like these stories sometimes don't make any sense, really. 
because the woman, the mom said they brought the cake, cake home and, and once they opened it up, they were shocked to see that this was the case. I'm thinking, I've never bought a cake at a place where I didn't open it up first. Absolutely. Like, 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 like when I buy the cake, I, usually they'll show you the cake. I've never yeah. had a cake where I've just kind of kept under wraps. <laughs> For the entirety of the celebration. I've never really been in a situation like that. That's a good that. point. Right. And also, you realize that you could probably, if you'd have anything in your cupboard, if you've ever made a cake before, you probably actually can squirt the C-U-M <laughs> on the cake. You know. <laughs> what? <laughs> You know, everyone's going to take it. Somehow, that's going to go on the internet. That's going to get clipped down, just FYI. What is? <laughs> Nothing, because I'm not repeating it. Uh-oh. I'm telling you, can, you can, we can write it on the cake. I, the, whatever's in the cupboard. I heard you. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm, oh, okay. I get it. Well, of course I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. See how this all, like, you see? This is how the cake maker felt. But doesn't anybody have... Cake decorating stuff in their house? Of course. Or, or you could probably, I mean, you could, I don't know, there's a lot of ways you could probably have corrected that uh, and, and not made like a news story out of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or you could have actually gone the opposite direction and made it like a federal case and <laughs> yes. demanded publics make you the cake. I could see, you know. Right. They got some gift certificates out of it. Right, that. right. That 30-year-old would have taken him to the Supreme Court. Yes. <laughs> they, they, that's what I'm saying. They probably could have, like, you know, made a, made a, made a big deal of this. And, and the question is, though, should the cake maker have been forced to make the C-U-M cake? <laughs> I knew. This is, this, is, this is that story. Right. Yep. How do you transition from that to telling everybody happy Memorial Day weekend? Well, well, it, it, no. We, you can go in there. The the she, the, 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 the she could have gone there. And said, I demand that you put C U M on my cake. You guys hearing this? No, I'm, I'm, no I get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but they didn't do it. But anyway, it didn't have to be a news story. It, it, these kinds of things sometimes agree with are just kind of like, you know, I brought the cake home and opened it up, and we were so surprised. Because like, they know it's going to go viral <laughs> exactly, on social yeah. media. Right, exactly. But anyway, but it is true, though. It, it's, it, it's an interesting story because it got so many people off the rails in terms yeah, of their, which is of, of, of it became an issue. But it still is a good one from the standpoint of it's a cake where that that a that basically a organization refused to make yep and we've done that before where somebody tried to force the the people to make the cake and blah 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 yep. and this and, and so just more of a of a palate cleanser so to speak of a story Very I agree. interesting yeah so all right well yes definitely have a blessed memorial day and you guys know this is the first time in my entire career i have not worked on memorial day I might have taken one day off for wow. some reason, one Memorial Day off. But in radio, usually it was I was always here 
because that's kind of our wheelhouse is the military sure. and and we 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 love our veterans and love our people love people who serve but I'm going to a wedding it's the only excuse that I think would keep me from coming in normally on a Monday uh, on a memorial day yeah. but you know I, I it's one of my uh it's a sacred holiday for me at least and love going out to Jefferson Barracks and uh, so I might have to go out there Tuesday but but have you ever been to Jefferson Barracks Absolutely I was a boy scout we used to put oh, flags so you're the one the... of the guys who put the flags that's yeah. such a great thing and that's I, exciting. It's a great day. Yeah, I love going out there on Memorial Day and seeing everybody out there with their families, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a beautiful day. As as hard as it is, though, in the end, because you remember those who no have doubt. died and and have served and died, and also who died in in service. And but but at the same time, it's one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful holidays. Yeah. Uh, in America, no uh, doubt so about it. it's it's great. So anyway, have a blessed one. And we'll keep you updated on everything related to the upcoming event, the 8th and 9th of June. And that's going to be a big one with Doug Giles in town. And we're just going to have a good time. It's going to be kind of uh, the happy hour on steroids, so to speak. And so I hope you guys have a great one. I'll be Facebooking live from D.C. Monday morning. I won't do it for three hours. (laughs) I'll be Facebooking live uh, Monday morning. Have you ever been to Arlington? I have not. I've never been to Washington D.C. Oh man, you know what? You you do need to go. We're not. We're. I actually was cutting. I'm cutting the trip short uh, because previously I was there through Wednesday, uh, but because of our brand building, my brand building, my I, I was. I'm. I didn't. I'm not going to spare the time off. So we're coming back Monday night. Uh, but it's boy, Arlington National Cemetery. Is I'd just love beautiful. to go. Wow. I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, when you have the changing of the guard there, uh, and it really is uh, pretty amazing. And one of the things I noticed when I was walking out that I never even realized is Joe Lewis, the boxer, is buried there. At Arlington? Yeah, Did he have a he's a veteran. Oh, yeah. he is yeah. a veteran. Yeah, Interesting. I, I was walking out. I took Aiden up there. We went, to, we went to President Trump's inauguration. And we so so basically we drove up there, mm-hmm. uh, and because I had planned on making it a big trip, so we went up to uh, went up to DC and saw all the sites, uh, crammed everything in, yeah. uh, in, in between you know getting out of town with the protests, and everything else. Went out, went to Mount Vernon. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I took a cab to Mount Vernon. Like We got there almost as it was closing. And so we were the only ones at Mount Vernon. We took, a, cool. we took a tour of everything. And we were all the only ones taking the tour. But I uh, went to Mount Vernon, went, went to all the, the places. Some of them were closed because it was, there was some construction activity. Uh, like I think Jefferson Memorial was closed. Mm-hmm. But then we went to Arlington, and that was just an amazing sight. It was just unbelievable yeah. uh, how, how powerful... Uh, that is, but DC is a majestic place, and it, it really, it really is a beautiful place. Even though some of the people inhabiting it aren't, I'll have so to call great. Genevieve so she can give me one of these unique White House tours. Well, that, you know, uh, we were going to get one, yeah, but I'll have a story to tell you about that later because some of the people who, since uh, my departure uh, from the radio show, have decided they're not going to have contact with me anymore. Some people who you might know who I had arranged this through. So apparently their phones don't work anymore. But I, I'll talk, talk about that later. I'm not bitter about it, I'm just saying. Then, you know, what we did on the way back is I took uh, Aiden to Antietam, okay. the battlefield, Antietam Battlefield, which is uh, w- one of the bloodiest battles in the Civil War. And I remember it 
too, because we went there and saw they, there are Confederate memorials there as well. Uh, this the left oh, would okay. go crazy up there because there are Confederate memorials up there because it, because both North and the South lost a lot of people at that battlefield. Then we went to the Flight ninety three memorial, so we went there as well. So we made a whole trip of it on the way back. So it was pretty cool. Uh, it was pretty uh-huh. amazing. Yeah, great trip. But I encourage you to go. I am. All right, but I'll Facebook Live from D.C. Some, somewhere. Uh, it won't be Arlington, but it'll, it'll, I'll, I'll Facebook Live from D.C. And, uh, well, maybe it will be. I don't know. Maybe at least in front of it or something like that for Memorial Day. And then um, we'll see you on Tuesday live back in the beautiful Radio Free Almond Studios. You have a great Memorial Day weekend, buddy. You Safe too, travels. Yes, indeed. Oh, I better, get, I better cue up the, uh, the Mukey here. Hold on a second here. Yeah. So uh, how's the Facebook Live going? Really good. It was like a series of events of um, of, um, of emoticons that were flowing across. <laughs> we start with likes. Then we had Austin Peterson on, and it was like angry. And then we had some loves there. And then it finally ended because of the cake story with tons of laughter. Ah, <laughs> nice. People laughing at All right, folks, have a great weekend. Love you. Thanks a ton. Oh, give me land, lots of land, and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees.